it's done. It's over. We're finished. Six months of horrendous uh, over-analyzing. Uh, <laughs> eight episodes of nonsense and 14 hours of drivel. We've finally finished all of the main Harry Potter films. It's over. It's done. We finished it, and it's gone, and we can move on. So to Time celebrate, to child, baby. Apart from that, so to celebrate, we're going to talk about Harry Potter. So, yeah. what's on the agenda? <laughs> um, so uh, we have a few things on the agenda. Let's get uh, right to it. Um, first of all, um, I have a few words to say. Nit, twit, and Tomby. Very nice. I have a very quick question. I've just thought of, but the yeah. first, the first two Harry Potter films, or books, even they're named. We're, they're named wrongly. We never talked. About, I'm really sorry for doing this immediately, but they're named wrong. What? What do you mean? Because the Philosopher's Stone, the guy's not a philosopher, and the stone isn't really about philosophy. Yeah, but in America it's called Sorcerer's Stone, wasn't it? But he's an alchemist. He's not <laughs> a, like they're all sorcerers. Like, they, they, I, I imagine she probably called it the Alchemist Stone or something, and then the uh, you know the powers that be said that's boring. Probably. Also, and then the Chamber of Secrets. It's a chamber, granted, but it's it's holding a a snake, not a secret. Like no, a snake is a secret. They don't know what the monster is. That so is, I've, it's I've one secret. It's not um, secrets. What are the other Tom Riddle, other secrets? Who, who opens the chamber? Oh come on! It's no, like no, most, no. It's the most mystery film of the entire. <laughs> Uh, all of them should have called it the Castle of Secrets. The chamber itself is like there's no there's not very many secrets in there. To be honest, by the time he gets there, he's kind of worked everything out. There's definitely one secret in there. <laughs> well, I guess I guess the title name and the Chamber of Secrets. You'll be not. happy to know that I've literally just edited my my list now that I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> I literally looked at it and I was like, so so what we're doing, everyone, is we're gonna um, go for a few uh, few rankings. Uh, we're gonna talk about our top ten scenes, then our yeah. favorite act actor slash whatever performances, performances and then we're going to do the films and i've literally just reordered my film list now that's 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 why we're leaving it till last because it's yeah. the most contentious <laughs> one and the most ridiculous I know. well i mean it's all ridiculous and there's going to be stuff we left out and also i i tried to re-listen to some of our podcasts to find out what i actually said at the time were the best scenes or the best performances and i just couldn't really find those bits because they were probably hidden around all the incredible analytical uh, work we were doing in those, which is why obviously it was important to do this episode as well, so you could skip right to it. So uh, let's get down to it. Um, we're going to take it in turns, uh, saying what our top ten scenes are. Hmm. I managed to get mine down to sixteen, but obviously I'll just I'll, I'll say those as honourable mentions, if that's okay. That is okay. I'll I'll, I'll allow you to. So, okay, so a sixteenth, I had Lupin and Harry's conversation on the bridge. Okay. Fifteenth, uh, that's for an Asgard Fifteenth, I've had. I'll be in my room. Making no noise, pretending I don't exist from Chamber of Secrets, uh, the start. Uh, 14th, I've had the death of. Uh, oh, by the way, this is going to have spoilers. You're, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say that, right? Spoilers. When Dobby dies. When we've, just, I know. we've just finished 14 hours <laughs> of complete. Uh, there's nothing but spoilers. 13th, see if you can guess the scene that's 13th on mine. Right, the Chamber of Secrets. No. Oh, no, sorry. I'm the wizard's chest, sorry. You smelly bum. Anyway, so 12th, I've got, give me that. 
give me that letter yeah, from Philosopher's I Stone, say which also contains an, yeah, which also contains um, one of the best, uh, in my opinion, like practical effects in the series. Okay. You know, when you've got all the letters coming out, it's just it's, amazing. Yeah, that's true. It's a good one. It's, it's really cool. Um, and also, you've got all the real owls there. There's many reasons why that should be higher. <laughs> and I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm already regretting its placement. Uh, it should probably be 10 places higher. Well, you're uh, already then... breaking the rules by, by, in a list of top 10s, you're doing your top 16. <laughs> yeah, but come on. This is this not seri- part of the deal. This series is already too long. I mean, our series. Yeah, you yeah know, I was going to say, it's now long. It's arguably... As long as the film, everything else we've done. Oh, I've oh, well, yeah, definitely that. By the time this is over, I'm gonna we're gonna put this all together. If it's not under 15 hours, I will be shocked, completely shocked. Okay, I'm quite. You'll buy me. Will you buy me a wand? What if it's under 15? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to give money to to one. Yaxi, oh, Yaxi's got a good one though. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Yaxi's wand is always one of the ones in the windows. I love it how they like when you go to buy ones from you know any place that sells a Harry Potter one. So scabious. So They're so proud. They're so proud of Yaxi and Scavia, aren't they? It's it's really um, quite strange. Yeah, it's like you know it would be like trying to buy Shark T's lightsaber. Well, probably less so. To be fair, know, it's kind of, it's the first. The, both of those characters are from the first film that actually like properly delves into wands and their relationships. So it probably makes yeah, sense and, that. And also, like it has, um, they're like great. They are great mini villains. They are. Yeah, they're, they're good. Like intermediate boss levels, sure. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Anyway, so eleventh, um, I've got when he talks to um, the ghosts. Of his dad and Lupin and everyone before he dies. <sighs> okay, lovely. Well, since <laughs> since I don't want to stretch this out too much, I will give one honourable mention, and okay. that is the montage. Ron- yeah, well, it's not actually. It's a mm, it's a severusable. It doesn't really make sense. No, it's the uh, the montage from Death Eyes Part Two, which is the uh, the plight of Snape and his uh, sort of him growing up in his relationship with Lily. It's something that I didn't want to call it. It's almost not a scene. It's sort of just a weird recontextualization of the events of the rest of the film. Uh, it didn't just the montage didn't quite does not count. The montage oh does not no no no! Montages montages completely count, and I I know which ones you've put in to be honest. But um, I think it just it didn't it didn't yeah it just didn't quite make it. So I think the way we should do this is that we should each take it in turns. But if if someone else has brought up a certain scene later on in their list. They should say mm-hmm. so, and we'll save it until both of us have mentioned it. Um, I think we'll probably, oh, do the, okay. we'll probably do the same thing for the films as well. We won't have to do it for the performances, because that we can just rattle off in no time. Yeah, yeah. Um, But for this, because we don't want to, you know... I think for the performances, we'll rattle off, and then if I think something's interesting about your thing, I'll talk to you about it. Or vice versa, know. but we've talked, the problem is we've discussed this too many times before. Yeah, but people have clicked on this, but they need real content. <laughs> oh, damn it. They need wrong content. Well, that wrong, is not something we can promise. <laughs> What do you stop using Rob? Why is this so confusing? <laughs> have you been looking at fan art again? <laughs> oh you have, gosh, haven't I you? I fucking that. knew it. Uh, what's right. so wrong about that? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Why? <laughs> okay. Right, um, come on, shall I start with my number 10? You can. So, my number 10... You can, Tony. My number 10 is the prologue from uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Really- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that so much. Which is funny, because I'm pretty sure that was your number one pick uh, for scenes when we did that first episode. 
Oh, was about, it? About 10 years ago, whenever we did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a long time ago. You it was know. a long I've time watched, ago. I, I've, I've secretly watched the film loads of times since then. <laughs> I haven't really. Obviously. Um, no, I, no, I think it's... it's, And I don't think I gave it the, um, the respect it deserved quite as much when we first discussed it, to be honest, because really it is incredible for setting up the the tone of kind of all the films in a way obviously it's yeah, not yeah. It's, not, it's particularly... not it's not just consistent with the first film i do genuinely believe it's consistent with all the films that first scene it helps in many ways because it's set at night time to not feel too tainted by the the, the typical christopher columbus sort of massive bright and really happy, optimistic it's yeah, very yeah. it's but, very moody yeah. it's very dark it's very mysterious which it gets yeah, really, you get really the well and the mystery is so important because mystery is such an like a key part of all of the Harry Potter films. So to set you up with a mystery and to have Harry be at the heart of the mystery is a it's a great yeah it's and a great sim- thing. And in in similar fashion, its depiction of how magic works in this particular universe and how it differs from how magic is portrayed in other places in a, in a modern context is again summarized so well in one scene with the yeah, use of well, the object like the, the Illuminator. Had the motorcycle and uh, yeah, the animagus. Exactly. You use, and use everything. a cat, you know, a house cat, uh, a lampposts, <laughs> and a motorcycle. So you use three things that people recognise as normal. It does the Doctor Who thing of making the everyday extraordinary. Exactly, and helping people to to sort of be able to imagine these things in real life. So just generally for visual exposition with relatively little dialogue, for especially for a Columbus film. It sets up the franchise perfectly, and honestly, this in, as a scene in a way was would probably have been put lower than a lot of uh, my others from ten to twenty. But for setting up the tone of an entire franchise and it being still being consistent after having talked about the entirety of the series is such an impressive feat that I I, I couldn't not put it in here somewhere. Oh yeah, and you have three absolute legends in that scene anyway, like to give it real acting class as well, you know, and that's. The weirdly, like the acting class of these films, is actually a big thing that draws a lot of people to them. Um, yeah, and well, this, this of, yeah. yeah, well, for showing the for the adult actors, at least it is. Yeah, we've just had like you know a guy from Gladiator and a guy from James Bond movies and Maggie Smith, like it's pretty awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They must yeah. forget the Hagrid's in. Well, not Hagrid, but Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, yeah, imagine <laughs> Hagrid <laughs> was was in Goldfinger or Goldeneye. Just shoots up the face. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be fair though, the um, I have always thought the Umbrella MacGuffin is a lot like the Kane MacGuffin in The World Is Not Enough. Oh, is it Robbie Coltrane sword uses in it? that has it has a gun in the end of it, doesn't it? There's a gun is in it? it. Yeah, it's a gun because he uses it to, um, I think, free M or Bond while he's been tied up by Electric King. Oh shit! Yeah, just saying. I, I, I ge- genuinely completely forgot about that. Albus, do you really think it's safe leaving him with these people? I've watched them all day. They're the worst sort of muggles imaginable. They really are. The only family he has. This boy will be famous. There won't be a child in our world who doesn't know his name. Exactly. He's far better off growing up away from all of that. Until he is ready. (gasps) There, there, Hagrid. 
It's not really goodbye after all. Okay, so what's your number 10? My number 10 is uh, from the Half-Blood Prince. It is when Hermione uh, and Harry have that moment together while, mm. while Ron and Lavender are running off. It's just, it's such a weird scene to pick, but I mean, I've kind of gone for like what my favourite scenes are rather than just the best ones because I found it so hard to pick. Mm. Um, that's okay, isn't it? Of course I mean, it's okay. I mean that is so, that is going to be the case for for yeah for both of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean these are these are like my favourite movies. So anyway, yeah. so um, yeah, when she cries and, and she talks to Harry, like that film is typified brilliantly. What's great about that film is typified in this scene because it's just all about those important and emotional character beats um, and seeing them really bond as friends before the big finale. Like if you hadn't have had that. With scenes like this, you know, when if you cared when Ron and Hermione get together, it wouldn't mean as much. But also, it's about just like how Ron and like just when, in the later films, when you see how Harry and Hermione relate, it's it's so interesting. I've, I've always recently after this rewatch, I kind of feel that the first four movies are very much about Harry and Ron, and the last the last three at least are very much about Harry and Hermione. And I just think this scene is one of their best scenes together. And, with the music and everything, it's just perfect. It's just so yeah. beautiful, and it is it is also, it, it's also such a just a down to earth teenage problem. Like it shouldn't be <laughs> as beautiful or interesting as it is, but it, it, it is. Well, yeah. true. I mean, it's but it's not exclusively teenage, and like you say, it's no, it's true. the first. It's one of the first instances, as with much of that film, where their performances as as you know no longer child actors is being like pushed very far, and it's also that scene. It's kind of the precursor to what then happens in Deathly Hallows Part 1, which I'm sure will come up in, in your list. Um, and so, yeah, sowing the seeds of that relationship, which is quite a complicated relationship. Yeah, it's, which it's, not everyone it's fully understands. possibly my, my personally, the relationship between Harry and Hermione, especially in the later films, is probably my favourite relationship in those films. Yeah, and, and that scene depicts that, again, with very little dialogue in a very yeah in, yeah in a very and, and an extremely moving way it's yeah. really yeah oh, i'm glad you like it but yeah i yeah, guess it's um, amazing i i just think yeah we've kind of cracked one of the main things because this is all this what we're doing now is all about kind of cracking what we loved about the series as a whole and one thing that i really got from it this time is the relationship between ron and hermione although it's yeah it's something that's kind of at the forefront mm. in the films so it's always given obvious moments whereas harry and hermione's relationship is always it's more like family it's on the back burner isn't it though well yeah it's well, always there it's always there uh it, it's yes yeah, like family and it's depicted in, in more it's a sisterly ways. and brotherly connection yeah and it's, it's and it's it's beautiful and uh yeah when she says like you know you're my best friend harry and stuff and she's crying it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry just carry no, on no, no, that, was, that, was, so that, was, that was easily your most uh direct piece of uh critique in film that was beautiful uh yeah. A bit when she was crying. No, but it is, it is, you know, it is beautiful. Come oh, on, man. How does it feel, Harry? When you see Dean with Ginny. I know. 
I see the way you look at her. You're my best friend. Right. Uh, so I do number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Um, again, let me know if this is in your list, and we'll leave it for later. So my number nine is the fight with the basilisk in the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, that's in, in my list. The Chamber of Secrets. It is. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, we'll come back to that later then. Cool. What's your my number nine? Number, uh, the graveyard in Goblet of Fire, and I can count that as an entire scene. That so is in my I list. Hundred percent. Okay. Uh, so my number, number eight. <laughs> Is the tale of the three brothers? Oh, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> oh, I knew I'd forget. Uh, but that, that's okay. But that's the thing. That's the thing about that scene. Is it yeah, feels yeah. so like it feels so like it's not in the movie. I always forget it's there, and then it comes up. I'm like, oh yeah, this literally like is pro- well. I think we said at the time like you said it's the best part of the film, and I I said another bit, but mm. you know, partially for the sake of variety is. Definitely one of the best Harry Potter scenes. I'm embarrassed, but it's <laughs> it's one of the strangest oddities in not just the film but the entire franchise as well. Yeah, 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 in the franchise. It's, yeah. a, it's a rare case that shows the level of the writing that's so impressive because it's easy to shrug off the je- the series in general as being just another fantasy trope, and obviously it spends most of its time depicting magic in a very different way as being in a, with a modern socio political context. But but something like the tale of the three brothers is something that then reminds you that it is actually a really classic fantasy story that has yeah, the yeah, legs that, to yeah. have something like folklore within folklore almost. It's quite yeah, strange. That, that story feels like the kind of thing um, you know, like the tortoise and the hare and all that. You know? mm, like exactly, kind of Greek early um, early stories that are meant to te- teach you a lesson. I know there's a name for them. Like no, but that's allegory. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I know, actually, that's not quite the same. But but it's but it's quite meta in a way, because obviously, I mean, it's hard for them to have known at the time, but the Harry Potter films have come to, to almost weirdly define a generation of children growing up with film. And so obviously the Harry Potter films are extremely important in teaching morality. So having a story within that story that teaches the characters of that story about mm. morality is, is quite, it's quite bizarre to, yeah, to do, and quite a difficult thing to pull off. It's interesting what you say about the morality thing, actually taking it a step further, like, because, um, so obviously I grew up in a church and whenever Harry Potter was brought up, it was a contentious subject. You yeah, because it was witchcraft. Uh, well, a third of people there would have been like, two thirds of people there were honestly like, yeah, well, Harry Potter's great because it, you know, it's fine. It's teaching our kids Christian values or whatever they want to say, but, sure. um, but you'd have a third who are really against it. So I'm, I'm just saying that like, it is interesting how you say it defines morality for a generation. I think it's true. Well, and because you know whether we like it or not, fictional stories like that do form in in some ways 
a religion. It's more transparent in the sense that most people are aware that the stories aren't real, but they are true, which in a sense is the same thing. But yeah, anyway, there's, there's, tr- there's truth in them. Well, exactly. That's what's, that's what's important. Um, in my in my view, I know it's not meant to get very religious on podcasts. That's what's important. I know. About, feel free to about that's what's <laughs> important about like religious stories from any religion is that like or any form is you know yeah. what you can learn from the stories and take into your real life, not necessarily everything else that comes with that in order to get into a certain club. You know, the dreadful irony is that it's very likely that people of the future will look back and find records and <laughs> interpret this as being something that people believed. And it may end up being that, you know, churches and chapels are built with artwork to the three brothers in it. Because it's already <laughs> happening. I mean, like, you know, the, the fact that there's so much fan art that I'm sure you're aware of yeah. um, and people <laughs> online who are willing to make... Well, I love watching those of, three brothers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh my God, iconography. <laughs> with, with oh, iconography. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Iconography, iconography. Anyway, um, but yeah. But aside from that, in the scene itself, ex- exceptional animation using that sort of ink and quill style. Done by the God of War people. Yes, yes. As you as you said in the episode, um, mm. and it's also it's it's so dark. It's like a proper nursery rhyme. It Especially, has that essence of yeah. feeling not very unhinged. Like it's quite. It's not comfortable to watch. Yeah, there was Humpty Dumpty. Then he fell off, and then he couldn't walk anymore. Then he had a concussion, and then he had a stroke. Yeah, and no one could fix him. No, exactly. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, that's literally what that is. (laughs) And I like the the main bit I think of, especially with the tale of the three brothers. It's incredibly dark, and the way they make it look makes me really reminds me of Corpse Bride, which is a really good Tim Burton movie. Uh, I hope it is Mm. directed by Tim Burton. He definitely produced it anyway. Um, The bit where they, she, he hangs himself. And mm. death comes and takes it away like a puppet. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. But That's it's my favorite bit. Yeah, but it's and it's so it's so poignant. It's it's such a simple story of showing three elements of life: that one, the power corrupts; two, that you know, a wish for immortality is you know foolish and ridiculous. And that's something that lies at the heart of the, the franchise throughout. That, that yeah, almost all the time, point. people are the main point of topic for characters. People are talking about are people that are already dead. It's mm, yeah. such a strange thing about the series that Harry's yeah. story isn't... It's, it's almost like Star Wars in a way. Harry's story isn't the first story. His story starts when the last one ends. Yeah, like how Luke's story is Obi-Wan's story. Yeah, but Luke, Luke's really. story when his father's ends. almost. Yeah, Obi-Wan's ends. That's, that is a better way of putting it. Um, so yeah, it's... And obviously, and the, the true sort of show of the story is that, you know, a considerate and kind life is what means you can have a yeah. you know a good meaning in life. And I tell a, you what, yeah. I tell you what's mad. Sorry, this is a complete side note. Yeah, yeah. Is that um, <laughs> now you mentioned Star Wars? Is it's never even, like this is a bad idea, but it's never occurred to me that they ever might one day think to make a spin-off movie about the original Order of the Phoenix and how Peter Pettigrew informed on them and stuff. Fuck knows that would be a terrible idea. Yeah, it would, but <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? Like you I'm, know, oh god, they if they're listening, they might do that. Oh, they, it's this is the problem thing, with joking about this is, is that we can't put it thing past that, them now it's such a thing that those people uh, I'm being rude uh, it's such a thing that okay, Hollywood would do well they have done it continually they won't stop yeah, well, the Star Wars prequels are a bit different because George Lee no was, I'm talking about like Solo and Rogue One oh yeah, yeah, yeah stories that are entirely meant to yeah, yeah, justify yeah, exactly. individual lines of dialogue completely yeah, yeah. unnecessary the, the prequels are a whole different thing yeah, 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 it's yeah. ridiculous um so yeah but there there you go
The first brother traveled to a distant village, where with the elder wand in hand, he killed a wizard with whom he had once quarreled. Drunk with the power that the elder wand had given him, he bragged of his invincibility. But that night, another wizard stole the wand and slit the brother's throat for good measure. And so death took the first brother for his own. The second brother journeyed to his home where he took the stone and turned it thrice in hand. To his delight, the girl he'd once hoped to marry before her untimely death appeared before him. Yet soon she turned sad and cold for she did not belong in the mortal world. Driven mad with hopeless longing, the second brother killed himself so as to join her. And so death took the second brother. As for the third brother, Death searched for many years, but was never able to find him. Only when he attained a great age did the youngest brother shed the cloak of invisibility and give it to his son. He then greeted Death as an old friend and went with him gladly, departing this life as equals. So, I want to know what your number eight is. Uh, my number eight is a uh, Snape's Memories, so it doesn't count. It does count. I'm joking, yeah, I know. Which is, alright, sorry, we were serious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I'm surprised uh, you put it that high. I was surprised Almost. you didn't put it, like, at number one. I genuinely expected this to be in, like, your top three. It's honestly, the main reason is that its format as a montage meant that even though the editing is superb, no doubt about it, and the performances are great, there was there was less of a... It's a, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just the conventionalist in me wanted you, to... No, no, i tell you what, you're right. It's not a scene, so I'm lying. No, it's it here is a anyway. scene. No, no, no. no it, it totally is a scene. I didn't mean to say it wasn't. I just think something about it, to me... Hey, maybe... I don't mind because it means you can put more scenes in your list and we can talk about more stuff. Well, quite. Please go ahead, though. Right. Um, well, I mean, I don't really have to explain it, really, do I? <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd do it. But <laughs> basically... Oh, right, okay. Um, basically... Oh, for anyone, like, it's so obvious why this scene's great. Like, it completely turns the entire franchise on its head in, like, the space of free, of a pop song. <laughs> if it it's, was so obvious, we wouldn't need to be doing this. <laughs> it's, it's mad. Come on, like, guys, it's um, obvious. You don't It to manages us. to... <laughs> yeah, the editing's great. It manages to get... Um... <laughs> Sorry, you make me laugh. It's obvious. Come um, on. It, it manages to condense so many things... <laughs> From the book as well. I know we're not meant to do it like that, but it is impressive how is they managed true. to get they managed to get it all in there subtly. It, like mm. they they don't ruin anything. <laughs> and my favourite bit of it is um it's just that image of it's the philosopher's stone thing where you get to see Snape walk through the philosopher's stone house set. Yeah. Of, um of Godric's Hollow, and I love yeah. it. And it's lit in like the same way, like with the mm. green, and I love it. But also, it's just so beautiful to when he... I just love the way he just hates James and he goes and hugs her. It's horrible. Well, we said this in, it's our, so in our reali- Yeah, exactly. It's so that realistic, shot. though. That shot's the everything. best shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's everything it's, about his it comes. So really when, I, really, when I'm saying the scenes, though, I'm actually really just talking about that particular bit is the main bit that matters to me. Um, I'm, I'm but, kind of with you on that. That I think like it's the, all it's all great, but that bit really gets me. Like I find the always bit a bit cheesy. 
But yeah, I, love I find that it's bit. odd that people have latched onto that. I think I think I think that's why it's cheesy is the fact that they latched onto it. I think yeah. it's I think it, they did it because it's a line that that Lily uses later on in the um, uh, resurrection stone. Oh, scene. is that on purpose? Like, well, I that's not clear. That. But people, I think people like you know, to. Well, when Harry said, "Well, let's start this the way we uh, we finished it." Or... <laughs> start this the way we finished it. That that's such, probably going to be top of line. your top of our lists. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, <laughs> that the, is the dialogue in that. That film is definitely so the. I actually do think that bit is the second worst scene of all of Harry Potter, next to the Wormtail scene where well, he falls be... down the stairs. Well, I do think worse. that's worse because it's a mortal sin. It's but just... the bit with um, yeah. The bit where it's just trailer bait. It's come just on, trailer yeah, bait. The, yeah, yeah. But you can't. You shouldn't be putting trailer bait in your in the main in the finale. Yeah, for your entire <laughs> franchise. Anyway, let's not let's not get off course. Also, the fact Harry's reaction again. Stuff we talked about in our last review. Mm. So check that out if you haven't heard it. But when Harry um, comes out of that pensive. It's oh yeah, insane. like Radcliffe's acting there is insane. It it's oh my yes, yeah, it's, it's it's possibly his peak acting in that film. Yeah, yeah, that moment. It, it's like no words. Like you fully understand the weight of that situation, and they leave the camera on him for so long. You're given real time. Well, it's perfect. To... His, his the culmination of his arc is that is it. That moment is it. That's yeah. where he's he, his his him as a character is kind of done, even though he's got more stuff to do. The yeah, thing yeah. that the thing that I find more impressive the more I think about that the general that scene, the Snape's memories, is is the fact that as a twist it's a twist that changes what it doesn't change what you've already seen it but it changes the way you think about it which is mm. which sounds obvious and on a, no, on a, no, on a that's micro, actually on a, a that's scale, actually a very unusual twist most twists yeah. are the other way around it yeah say that you were missing you miss yeah exactly but, but on, a, on a micro scale that's an easy thing to pull off but this is you know changing the, the pivotal moment of an entire character and their relationship yeah. a with... Main, uh, a relatively main character. Yeah, no, a character that, that in many ways defines the moral compass of Harry. He, his, you know, It's one of his main focal points. If he knows where to look for evil, he just has to look at what Snape is doing. If Snape's doing yeah. it, he hates it. And that's kind yeah. of a theme throughout all of the films. And to turn that on its head is the, is the ultimate way of shitting yeah. him up. And it's and... genius because you've got all these father figures in Harry Potter... And, you know, Mr. Weasley, for one, and all these different characters. But Snape is actually a father figure that Harry never wanted. But it's the one he needed. He's actually, we're going all Dark Knight with this. No, 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 no. But he's the one that um, loved Harry the most, really. Or sort of. No, he, he, well, showed... he didn't. But that's another thing I love about it. It, it isn't a redemptive... I still maintain it. It's not a, completely a redemptive arc. Because it doesn't need to be. The temptation no. would be to say, "Oh, and he was perfect, and he was a great guy all along, and we was we were wrong about him entirely." And the answer is that, which is we something that a lot wrong. of people ignore. It's who just watch that this film, they yeah, don't but, get it. No, but it's 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 better than that because it's it shows that because we we thought we we viewed a character as black and white is is either evil or he's not evil, even though all of the films have been teaching the the audience, the viewer, reader, whatever that that shouldn't be that isn't how you should view people but it still continues to be the case and so it's the perfect way to make the audience look at themselves and mm. recontextualize the way they think uh, yeah and recontextualize perhaps the way they think about because you know and that like, goes um, for v- reviewing films as well because <laughs> people like to immediately latch on to things they don't like and define 
you know, their hatred of it. Like Half-Blood Prince was another one where a few little features that people got hung up on means that that film is maligned by way too many people. Which is honestly one of the weirdest things ever. It's so bizarre. It's honestly bizarre. It would be like if people um, didn't like The Dark Knight because the, uh, the Joker... Doesn't use chattering teeth. No, exactly. Yeah, well, there's no harm. Well, it's like, get what? Yeah. So that's an essential element of the, you know, the original material, and you're not using it. Yeah, it's insane. But you're fo- you're focusing on the right things. Yeah. I mean, for a film, it's a film. Mm. Are you okay? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> come on. Um, cool. Well, yeah. So that's great. And I also really like. I forgot to say this in the last review, so I'll say it now. Mm. I really like the shot where Harry gets the pensive and he throws it forward, and it's all done in one take. The frisbee, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the frisbee. It's kind of really, pointless because really... he could have just looked at it in there, but whatever, you know, who cares? Nah, it's really pretty. Yeah, but he wants to be by Dumbledore's desk because that's where they used to do it together. Ooh, um, that's weird. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got to st- I'm actually gonna have to put a fucking thing on your computer to stop you. Um, that's, that's rude. I don't right. do that. <laughs> there will come a time when Harry Potter must be told something, but you must wait until Voldemort is at his most vulnerable. Must be told what? On the night Lord Voldemort went to Godric's Hollow to kill Harry, and Lily Potter cast herself between them, the curse rebounded. When that happened, a part of Voldemort's soul latched itself under the only living thing it could find. Harry himself. There's a reason Harry can speak with snakes. There's a reason he can look into Lord Voldemort's mind. A part of Voldemort lives inside him. So when the time comes, the boy must die. Yes. Yes. He must die. So, number seven. my number seven is... Oh, it's um, the magical number. Is very it? powerful number, that. Yeah. Voldemort believes seven is a very powerful number. No. Wow. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, we won't go into that now. Um... What was it we were saying? Oh, yeah, number seven. Um, so, my number seven is... I've said the word seven too many times that it's become weird. Yeah, anyway. Uh. <laughs> Harry, it's Harry's um, final Patronus in The Prisoner of Azkaban at the, oh, cool. uh, at the lake bed. Yeah, that's a super, super, super mm. classic. This is not like seen, that's... Yeah, I don't think we discussed this very much in the review from what I remember, although, again, as I said, it was about 12 years ago, so I can't really remember. You talked a lot about it being the moment in which he really comes into his own as a wizard. Because well, he manages to win the first two films without using much magic, but this um, this film he is fully about him having to use magic, and that's what Lupin. Ma- that's why Lupin really matters in that film as a character in terms of helping him improve as a, as a wizard. Well, yeah, yeah it's sort of that's in, the, to that scene. In, in the it's also in the first two films the uh, his uh, heroism is sort of thrust upon him is that he has to is he has to adapt to that situation to. To succeed, but in Prisoner of Azkaban, it's the first time he has to he has to actually realize it's within himself to do it, 
which is something yeah, that yeah. gets set up much earlier in the film. And I mean, that's but, quite literally what the Patronus represents. Yeah, him but... Being hope and within himself, in releasing yeah. that hope into the world to defeat darkness. Absolutely. And, this, and another element, which I'm sure you'll love because it's very Freudian, but it's yeah. the moment where he... At, he learns to outgrow his father's shadow because he's yeah, been deifying he him. He sees his dad, doesn't he? And he yeah. does deify him, and especially it's, it's seen more in the books, obviously, because there's more time. But yeah, but he has to realise yeah. that what what Lupin had been teaching him earlier in the film is that he is he's like his parents. He doesn't have mm. to view them as you know better than him, or that he's lesser because he's without them. What and it's film? yeah, no, exactly. And that, <laughs> but that's the thing. But because he that's that's the moment where he realises that, and it's amazing. And that's this is that's not even to say anything about. The, the visuals, the way it's shot is gorgeous. The music is exceptional. Um, yeah, I just it's just it's for me it's like the it's the biggest moment of growing up he does, at least let's say in the earlier films. Yeah. You know, um, it's hard well, no, that, that's I, I something think... we always say in loads of different scenes. Oh, this is right. this is definitely the moment where he grows up. That's there's yeah, so yeah. many but, that it's but impossible. Imagine that um they'd only ever made three Harry Potter movies. Yeah, that would be a, that. this would be a stronger through line. At least that would yeah, probably yeah. people focus on more. Yeah, his people, with his would, people would really focus on this moment because this is the moment. Without this moment, um, you wouldn't probably, when it comes to Order of the Phoenix, believe that Harry is as good a wizard as he is. It's true, at, especially at because of the magic. Goblet of Fire's weirdness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goblet of Fire's kind of weird emissions of stuff. Yeah, so which, we, is, which we forgive, is, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we forgive. But this is the so this is the real moment that um, I think yeah allows people who only watch the films to, to to unknowingly forgive that if, if that makes any mm. sense absolutely yeah no I mean also it's nice how he sees his dad and is, he's saving his dad's best friend which is obviously something that James did for Sirius constantly mm. and he's now taking up that role which becomes the taking main focal yeah. point of their relationship in Order of the Phoenix oh. where Sirius gets it wrong and yeah. does, the, does what Harry learned not to do in the third film which is to treat you know him like he is his father or like yeah. yeah exactly so it's yeah perfect bit of emotional maturity to to teach and i the thing is that's not something we even talked about in the review which i, I don't know why we didn't it's just this is the problem and, and well, i started you that long and we didn't yeah talk about that <laughs> See, <I know. laughs> the thing is we're not we're not going to return to these because obviously this is ridiculous and we've we've overstretched ourselves but it, yeah, it, it, we would honestly fantastic. easily be able to do more of these if we wanted to, but we're not. We're not. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not. We could just keep but, doing these over and over. I mean, we could do the games next. I'd love to do that, but I know. Oh Christ! Yeah. They'll, <laughs> they'll come up enough in other podcasts, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was kind of thinking it's kind of weird how even in the video games they're like, "Oh, Harry thought he saw his dad." Said Stephen Fry. <laughs> Who is that? His father. Yeah, it could yeah, be. Though. Yeah, it's a bit too. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit heavy-handed. But, yeah, I know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, sorry oh, about video games. For bless you. those <laughs> fucking ridiculous video games.
Yeah, they're amazing. Okay, right. so what's your mine? number seven? When he says goodbye to Ron Hermione in Deathly Hallows Part Two. Oof, that's in- so that's fascinating. So your number eight and seven are simultaneous. They're one after the other. Yeah, yeah, and and also um, one of the ones that I admitted to my eleventh place was also the scene after that. What, the so I genuinely, uh, yeah, I so uh, I, I genuinely, I this is what I said in the review. That half this hour, is <laughs> that half hour is the reason I give that film a nine and not an eight. I really think it's so you got so much of the best Harry Potter in that like forty minutes. Mm. It's it's literally unbelievably good. That yeah. forty five minutes, like, and it's although there's real payoff after that. For me, those forty-five minutes are the re- is the real emotional payoff to these movies. Mm. A bit more than the stuff after it, which is great. But this stuff is the emotional bulk of the film, you know. Yeah, and and, I, and I, I'm I'm here for the feels, you know. So um, yeah, when he says, and, and we talked about this about kind of how I read him not being able to say bye to Ron, is it being that he just can't do it? But Hermione's going to go hug him anyway. But Ron, you know, he just can't do it. They can't there's talk a, there's about a, there's, it. There's, there's they, they, lot... they are not very good at talking about their emotions in these films, anyway. Those two. No, and that's and that's an essentially that's a you know that's an honest truth, even though it's not a, a perfect one. Yeah, and the thing is, there's between, a lot there's between, a... between a lot of blokes, isn't it? It's yeah, there's don't a lot of feelings. Well, exactly. There's there's he a lot. Should. Yeah, but it's it's weird. There's a lot of ways of reading into that scene. There's obviously yeah, obviously there's there's that. There's also. There's a few elements. So one, you could see it as being there isn't really anything for them to say because, you know, their entire friendship up to this point is it says it all. Uh, well, exactly. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing that the reason that Harry has to end it isn't because of their friendship. It's just incidental. So it's it's over. Another way that I'm sure more people would say than us is that it's the moment where Harry. Okay. Well, here's here's a here's a massive stretch. In the same way that something like a wedding is like the father and mother of the bride handing them over to their new life, Harry is essentially allowing Ron to have Hermione. Not that he had, t- you know, not that he had her beforehand, but obviously that 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 sort of weird dynamic between the three of them had obviously been that's a actually a, big, no, that's strange, really interesting way point. of reading into it. And yeah, that's yeah. why you know Ron allows Hermione to hug Harry because, and because do that as goodbye because that's more important. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. So now, again, again, this scene is very much about those scenes between Harry and Hermione that I love. Yeah, exactly. Because Harry and Hermione kind of will will miss that needing each other more. Whereas afterwards, Ron, you know, Ron and Hermione will have each other, so that will be okay. It's just it's 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 kind of in a way unfortunate to the story that that doesn't get to play itself out properly because obviously Harry comes back, but it's still yeah, there's... it's still the sentiment is still there. I think it's enough, the and it's so quick. Harry is yeah, yeah. It, and it, the fact that it's so quick says so much about life and death. It's, I think it's very much like the way in the Irishman, the Scorsese film, the, mm. they depict violence, isn't it? How the killing in that that film, unlike many Scorsese films, isn't very stylized. He shoots them and they drop to the floor and then he has to hide the body and that's it. Yeah, and it's very rarely the centre of the shot as well. Mm, it's usually, if you blink blink and you miss it, look at the wrong part of the screen and you're not even paying attention. So so the the attention, I think what they're saying about death in a way there, because from a personal point of view, if you know, like you sometimes, even though when you're seeing a person for the last time, you know? Well, you never do, yeah. It's very rarely that you do. So I think that when... That, that kind of stuff happens it happens so quickly 
it's yeah, like the quickness of the scene, just the very pacing of it is saying a lot about futility in a way. Yeah. Well, also, if you want to talk about heights and levels, uh, how he walks down the steps, it's like he's going down to his doom or something. I don't know. Yeah, sure. It's also impressive. Generally, I find I find it impressive more over time that they don't stick to the trope of, as as I was saying, like over overdoing the long goodbyes and the look over our life, like you know the whole X factor. Let's look back over your time here, and yeah. this and it happens in almost every other franchise this this, that's, this is that's why the i um, actually love how they handle uh, okay spoilers for the avengers movies so skip okay. ahead three minutes if you haven't seen those because i just sure. the last one so how they handle um captain america at the end of that film hmm. although he doesn't die that it just the it's the showing and not telling of him dancing with uh hmm. so then, is it peggy carter is that yeah yeah is? that's it yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah so um yeah the emotional maturity we talked about earlier is is in the, is the reflection of, in that scene, even though it's only about one minute long where they, where they say goodbye. Yeah. It's quite... It might it's quite not even be there. No, ex- yeah. exactly. And that's, yeah. that's so impressive. We thought you went to the forest. I'm going there now. Are you mad? No. You can't give yourself up to him. What is it, Harry? What does he know? There's a reason I can hear them. The Horcruxes. I think I've known for a while. But I think you have too. (laughs) I'll go with you. Now, kill the snake. Kill the snake and then it's just him. So, um, my number six is Slughorn's Confession from Oh, Blood I knew it would get in there. Yeah, 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 you do. Of course you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I would assume this isn't in your list. I wouldn't expect it. It's not, it's not but it's, it's a classic scene. I mean, mm. I mean, to be fair, there's probably about, what, 50 scenes you could have picked and I'd have been like, oh, cool. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> don't worry about it. I will let you know if I think you're a nutter. Don't worry. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I look forward to this. Um, so, first of all, it's strange, really, because this scene is off the back of something very light-hearted. Arguably, one of the most light-hearted parts of the entire franchise. Well, it's like the only, yeah, it's like the only bit of like Hagrid in that film. Yeah, and well. the only bit of levity or you know, yeah. provided in that element. Um, yeah. There's a few things to it, and that, and again, this this strikes at the heart of what we said so mu- in so many points in our review is that. Harry, it's, it is light-hearted and it's quite silly, but Harry is fully in... He's at peak manipulation mode. At that point, mm. he has completely inherited With Dumbledore's Dumbledore. tropes. Yeah. And it's and it's quite... Na- it's, in a way, quite it's, even though it's emotional, it's, yeah, it's quite nasty to see. And that's mm. a mature moment that Harry is basically emotionally ruining a man in order to meet his own means, even if they're right. And that is something that gets yeah. called into question at numerous points later in the film. If it didn't, then that's, this scene would probably not feel as as good. But because so, would you say it's called into question later in the film? Well, by say not well. So, let's say like Ron complaining or sorry, pointing out to Harry that he didn't know him. It's actually more pointed out late in Deathly Hallows Part One, and to oh, some yeah, extent, yeah. oh, are you so, sure you didn't? And know by Snape, um, yeah, obviously yeah. criticizing Dumbledore during his during his memory scenes. 
yeah, I think if, if if those if those elements hadn't been expanded on later, this scene probably wouldn't contextually feel as as heavy yeah, yeah. on the head as it does. Well, of course, you've you've seen Dumbledore be criticised before this as well. The way he handles his relationship with Harry in the fifth film, mm. and also the you know when um, the great scene between Snape and. Uh, McGonagall, when they're disagreeing over what they should do with Harry, whether he should be allowed to compete in the tribe as a tournament. Yeah, and and Dumbledore does obviously offer him up as bait. As bait, which is yeah. obviously what, what they draw back he's to. He's done in, yeah. his whole life. So it's ah, it's fantastic. But yeah, so, so, so another thing, and again, we keep, I, I keep I don't know why I keep doing this, but there's so much of Nazi Germany imagery in these films. It's quite weird, or at least yeah. fascistic fascism. Fascist. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so Slughorn... It's a reference. reference yeah, it's a re- if you don't get it, then screw you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slughorn, uh, Slughorn is, uh, of course... He, right, so he represents the sort of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Slughorn represents the uh, the complicit kind of a, a sort of um, the passive force that allows evil to thrive. Like, he is a well-meaning but careless man that is, essentially releases a secret to an evil person to enable them to do something. And then doesn't want to admit to it because of their personal pride. And yeah. Harry has to and they both and they both come at this this sort of contention by means of um Harry's mother, both trying to sort of appeal to each other's sort of sentimentality. So they're they're both almost trying to manipulate each other. One is trying to, you know, again, like I say, ruin someone's life and the other person is sort of begging rather pathetically to try and get out of it just so they can save their own reputation and lie to themselves. And there's a, it's just it's there's so much sort of darkness within that that's really quite horrible to watch. And when when it does happen, it's quite it's not it's not a victorious thing. Like it's Harry's main achievement of the film in a way. It's what he's building towards. It's like his it's like this is his final task. And when he does it, it's not magnificent. It's not glorified. It's not like yes, I've got it. I've you know I've finally have the missing piece. It's it, it's like oh great, I've really fucked up this guy's life, and now. It's just going to lead to more absolute peril, and we're not even going to give it a moment's thought after this. Mm. So I do, it just it always it always makes me feel endlessly sad whenever I think about it, and obviously every time I watch it. And Slughorn's story about Lily um, with the with a the wee fish um, <laughs> is you know again it can it can seem a little bit funny at times, but it is a really sweet little sort of moment and it's so it's so horribly intimate that's something about like scenes like that is that when they're you know when people actually sort of wear their heart on their sleeve it's way more uncomfortable to watch in a good way mm. and that's something that, that Jim Broadbent does extremely well is a really nasty sort of vulnerability that no one wants to see no one wants to see an old man an old sort of you know wise person being complete tatters oh, that's horrible. why it's the peak of his performance in that film yeah yeah um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I think. I, I think that's pretty much the summary. <laughs> it was a student who gave me Francis. On a spring afternoon, I discovered a bowl on my desk. Just a few inches of clear water in it. And floating on the surface was a flower petal. As I watched, it sank. Just before it reached the bottom. Transformed to a wee fish. It was beautiful magic, wondrous to behold. The flower petal had come from a lily. Your mother, 
The day I came downstairs, the day the bowl was empty, was the day your mother. I know why you're here. But I can't help you. It would ruin me. Number six is Dumbledore versus Voldemort. Oh, that was like my number 13. Oh, it's just so <laughs> awesome, isn't it, though? <laughs> it, is, it is spectacular. So. It's literally better than Yoda versus Palpatine. And I know that's yeah, obviously, obviously. No, 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 but stupid, like... Fucking stupid. Oh, I like that scene. Come on. It's cool. It's quite cool. Although we're not going to yeah. do this now. Come on. This is not the, this is not the time or place. The point is, is perfect for this. I, just for all the same reasons we said when we talked about it before, like the reversals of all the different um, using the different elements against each other, just to quite clearly show the difference between good and evil, but also the way that they can manipulate the things around them to fight each other. Um, I, I really don't have much to say about it. It's just awesome. I can go. The first thing is um, for yeah, visual effects. It's absolutely spectacular it's inventive use of magic which doesn't always get done during the films it gets touched on a you know a bit in i mean mostly in in three and then a little more elements in number six but it's it's it, it, there's very few opportunities that people get to actually flash out what magic can do usually in the films one of the critiques that fans of the books uh, level which i completely understand is that most like duels get sort of beaten down to just okay we're just going to flick like Big looking spells each other, and they'll just. I actually do. I actually, although it doesn't bother me while I'm watching the films. No, of course I hear not. that complaint, I think, oh yeah, it's a really good point. So, like something like McGonagall versus Snape in the book, it was something like she would, she would use transfiguration to to try and manipulate him, and similarly, uh, I imagine Flipwick. this is one of the main things that they would put in if they did a TV show. Well, exactly. They'd be able to draw out those scenes more, and like, and like, yeah. like because because we've made a point of not saying we don't like this because it's not like the book or because the book did it better because that's not fair and it's also just pointless to try and do yeah, that. It's ridiculous. But in this instance, like they they completely they go in a way. They even though the it's, this is, this is much, well, they do much because better. I find it much. I remember whenever I read that bit in the book, I I love that book. It's cost, it's probably like my second favorite Harry Potter book, but. I find that it's so boring. <laughs> but it's too drawn out. That's what I mean. In this, yeah. it's like a the actual like jewel part is a minute long. Must it can't be more than like a minute and a half, and it just it's it paced perfectly. Like you say, it you has, are, yeah. there's there's it's like just one element, then another element, and it each each to combat the last. It's an escalation, and it's then just an once awesome scene. and once they've ran out of ideas, because obviously the the sort of magical power isn't shown by how big your how big your wand is. Yeah, it's yeah. shown by what creative tools you can use, and also and using the environment, like obviously um, Voldemort using the glass and um, Dumbledore using yeah, it's the great water. When he, goes, when he goes through fudges, fudges um, oh, rips open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to it's extent, obviously. beautiful, oh. and also the lack of a score, the sound design as. Oh, is... I'm so glad you're here to do this for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just know I love that scene, so I was like, yeah, that's one of my favourite scenes, but I don't know why, so I'll put that up there. It's well, it's, just, it's, yeah, imp- it's it's important to show Dumbledore in that context as well. Yeah, because actually, to be fair, so before much. before this, we haven't seen him be completely awesome. You only really see it twice. In Apart the from series. yeah, well, it's both times in that film. Well, oh, okay, I think Dumbledore's three. got style. Yes, twice in that film, yeah. definitely. 
But um, yeah, I know it's amazing. Just action scene in general, like it's really mm. impressive that you and it was it's unexpected because it just come off the back of what you would expect from a magical finale, which was what the yeah. the main jewel was with Lucius and, and uh, Sirius. Exactly, and then it fully fully ups the stakes actually because you've just come off the. Um, well, you don't expect Dumbledore to actually go face to face with Voldemort. You just do no. not expect that. Yeah, the exactly. only time you get to you see think that's them... like finale material. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, if you put it, yeah. oh, we're doing this now. Just okay. after the Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. <laughs> also, a, a, a very small element which I always love looking at is how it's it's a really nice thing just because obviously Harry's been bigged up throughout the entire film to be like, oh yeah, cool, you're like the best wizard ever. And in yeah, this film, yeah. he's literally crouched in a corner, quivering, like because he's completely out of his depth. And it's just—I don't know why. Yeah. I love, and and, he, and he, he gets up and just sort of starts. You see him in the background, just sort of moping around behind Dumbledore, sort of gawping at what's going on. Yeah. And Dumbledore <laughs> goes, "No, fuck off, Harry! What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah when he pushes him back. Yeah, it's yeah, such, yeah. it's such a humiliating like that, that that properly brings you back to. Um, what Harry's like in the first few films, where he's completely yeah. like he's he is a child, he's a mouse in a maze, and this is he a great no way of just reminding reminding uh, the, the viewers of, of the stakes, like you say. Yeah, like, exactly. Harry's Harry's meant to be the. But one this to is be, a different dimension you, you to what have you've been just looking found at. Found out in context, Harry's just found out he's the chosen one, and mm. he is then being shown what he has to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, this, no this should way. be his moment. Like, this, yeah. this should be his moment of triumph. But exactly, it's, it's actually no. You're fucked. Like you're completely yeah. fucked. <laughs> Everything's fucked. Everything. Your your family's dead. Your friends are shit. Safe. Yeah, it's completely. Yeah, it's safe. completely safe. Of course, it's fine. Of course, it's, it's safe. It's all fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if people get that reference, I'll be so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's that's, that's incredible. So my number five is actually, Mambo. in some ways, actually, so this is really good. This is coming right off the back of this theme. Um, and this is The Cave from The Half-Blood Prince. Ah, oh, sick. Um, is this in your list just before? So I make sure I can... No, no, I'll tell you. Cool. I'll tell you. All right. Um, so, yeah, this is. I, I can. Go, we can come at this as a perfectly new angle because, obviously, the previous scene we talked about is showing that Dumbledore is the be-all and end-all. He is the top dog 
best, whatever you stupid, you know, metaphors you want to use for him. Top this, of the hill, <laughs> A number one. one. Yeah, but this scene is almost entirely focused on just completely flesh, completely laying bare his his vulnerability, his humility, and it completely it degrades him to the point of being almost infantile. Like mm. this this person who is who's obsessed with controlling. Like that's his almost possibly his main flaw is he wants to control everything. He hates the idea of not being, and he is completely that that control is completely taken away from him because mm. at every point it's his you know hand that gets cut. It's him that has to drink the potion. And he only just about makes it out alive, and that and the scene where Harry has to do that again, coming off the back of it's bad enough him being basically trained by Dumbledore to be a manipulator. He then has to is forced to punish the the only the person who taught him the only things he knows about how to succeed. Yeah. So yeah. he sort of he has to go through the most the emotional motions of killing Dumbledore before Dumbledore even dies. And yeah, because he's the one who he greatly weakens him anyway. I mean, Harry doesn't know that Dumbledore's going to die anyway. No, no, but, but but from from in that scene, you fully buy that Harry and Dumbledore are completely on the same page that this might kill Dumbledore, and it's yeah, really yeah. and it's just a horrible and yeah, the the, the way in which in the, I don't know what this is funny how I keep picking stuff about this is just like Slughorn again, a character you, it's it's even worse seeing a character like Dumbledore. You know, obviously, like begging for forgiveness or having weird hallucinations of his past, and it's intensely uncomfortable. This is of- why it's the best film series because it's completely happy to just destroy everyone. It's so realistic in the way that it handles people. You know, so Slughorn and um, Dumbledore, respectable people who have done awful things, being completely degraded. Like it's it's horrible, but it happens. I mean, and Snape. For example, again, you know, like in real life, people we hate are probably actually got good reasons for why they are the way they are. And, you know, like. Yeah, but it's 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 also clever generally because obviously the first few installments are the the theme of oh yeah the kid the kids know what's going on the adults are just being are just idiots the adults are stupid that's that's a a done trope in so many different films and it's obviously easy to yeah, relate yeah. to especially if you're young but when the characters who were kids now become adults you have to do something to to because you can't just go oh yeah now they're part of that clique you have to show that it goes one stage higher than that it's not just that they're that it's that you know being you know flawed is part of literally everyone it doesn't matter yeah, if you're if where you are in that hierarchy of uh, this is, magical ability or anything, and this is something that people love in in the books. Something I love is uh, is how realistically it um in in the way that Harry understands the adult characters around him, uh, and and as the narrative perspective as well shifts throughout the books. So you know, um, I mean, Lucius Malfoy is a huge the Malfoy family are a huge example of this. Mm. Um, in the way that our understanding of them as characters changes over the movies from being, you know, kind of uh, the, the the big main henchman baddies to being people who just terrified and want to run away, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. Perfect. It's, it's a perfect die, die sort of going from one to the other. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. would never see that. Also, it's a very strange arc, and you're kind of saying there's so many strange arcs in these films, and that's great. Mm. But the thing, I, yeah, is, is how as he gets older, 
you realise that people you look up to are, are flawed and you have to reconcile that. It's so hard when mm. people you know, you know, you, you think are, are good people and they are good people, but then they sometimes you know a perfect person and they've done what a, a random thing that doesn't make any sense to you as to why it's so horrible. Yeah. But but they've done it, you know, and it's 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 part of growing up and, you know, realising that the people who keep you safe are, are bad. Yeah, or at least not not as able to keep you safe as you thought they were. Exactly, you know, no one you know is 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 omniscient. No is one's omniscient safe or omnipotent. Yeah. You know, which is why everyone wants a father figure who is, um, you know, exists outside space and time and controls everything. That goes this on. is what fans of fucking Game of Thrones don't understand: is you don't. It doesn't just because you kill off a random character doesn't mean that you're like edgy. That you have to killing them and making them weak is should be um, like narratively poignant. That it should be part yeah. of the story. You can't just go, oh, and then this person died, and that that means it, it's got tension. It's not the same yeah. thing. It's a there's a it's a complete different dimension of writing level there. I think. Anyway, oh yeah. On, as a quick and so the scene goes from being tense to being sort of gorgeous to being heartbreaking to being horrifying with the infrared. And then yeah, yeah, which is like one of the scariest. Like that that's the jump only jump scare. Like, oh no, it's no. So it's the first jump scare, isn't it? Is there another jump? Oh, yeah, oh no, the, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you've forgotten a jump scare from Order of the Phoenix. Have I? Yeah, that's when Hermione mind. goes, Harry! That's when not a jump scare. That's a hug scare. <laughs> a hug scare. It's yeah. terrifying. Um, but also, this scene ends with the the uh, the final instance of Dumbledore being an absolute beast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is just, yeah, completely awesome. Beast mode Dumbledore is And it's scored fantastically as well, the entire scene. Keep drinking like you said, remember? Stop. It will stop, Professor, it will stop. But only, only if you keep Please. drinking. Don't make me I'm sorry, sir. Don't care about Promise I'll do what you say. I promise. Please. My Mambo number five is fifty years ago. Or whatever. You know, when they go back in Tom Riddle's diary, the whole Ooh. black and white. Yeah, that was very high up on my honourable mentions. Oh. Nice. Oh. Go for it. It's so class. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right, so you're in... Okay, this is the thing about, like, what people forget about Christopher Columbus films, is they're actually incredibly classy. And, like... The, when they the want film to made... No, they're, they're consistently classy. No, the I think that in a good way. The filmmaking is genuinely <laughs> stellar. And, and... <laughs> Um, they are like what you would call proper cinema classicist films. Like these films could be made in the thirties, and let's yeah. not be down on it for that. That's it's a good thing, especially it's this part. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's part of the charm. So they've just been going with all the colourful stuff and that. That you know, you, you're in Wizard of Oz territory, and then all of a sudden you're you're in like the Maltese Falcon. Um, it's mad. Like and the lighting in the scene. I I don't get how they did certain. Um, like effects in this as well, like 
Well, I think it's just clever, it's, clever it's, use of color grading, probably. It, but. I mean, okay, this is crazy that actually a big part of the reason this is on my list is because of color grading. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, like having Harry in the um, be color and have them all be black and white. It just look, it just looks amazing. It's not just black um, and white. It's a very like it's a deep yellowy. It's sort of sepia, but almost like ghostly yeah. in a way, or kind of green. Well, know. yeah, it's it's almost foretelling the sort of connections it's going to be throwing up in the sixth uh, film, which obviously yeah, uses yeah. A quite a similar color palette. And yeah, between like and also because the yeah, Slytherin and all that rubbish. But mm, um, exactly, yeah, and you've got the, the, that great scene with Hagrid uh, where, and this is probably the first time in the Harry Potter films where a character who we believed to be good is called into question, where we learn we learn uh, about. You know, true. Hagrid it's the inverse of the of the Snape thing in the first film. Yeah, and it's the inverse of you know the the Malfoy thing as well in the second film. True. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So so it's, it's, it's the first time this whole thing that we've been saying we love about the films is is brought in, and the person we're forced to doubt in in this kids' film is Hagrid, who is the heart of the first two movies. Well, he's also the centerpiece of Harry's connection to the magical world because he's yeah, the person and, who brought him to it. Yeah, and that is called that. The fact that he is called into question actually calls everything into question. And this film is so important as your second entry because Harry is just Harry is completely uh, called into question throughout mm. the whole movie. You know, is he actually the heir of Slytherin? Is he in some way related to the you know um, a, yeah. an, e- an evil racist? Yeah, like. <laughs> So based on that, it's mad. Um, and uh, Richard Harris's stuff's great, and Christian Coulson is absolutely slaying it as Voldemort. Oh yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't really have much more to say. I just, I just think it's um, just an absolute. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a Free Brothers moment in terms of filmmaking. <laughs> it's true because it is such a random and kind of not talked about red herring of filmmaking, but in the early films. Mm. It's true, but again, it's it's one of those things where it's not like, and Hagrid isn't totally exonerated because his flaw, which is actually shown in the first film of him being uh, his affinity for creatures, often comes at the peril of other people. Um, mm. Is something it's also that, his love for things. It's like yeah, love exactly. becomes peril. I mean, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, but that's that. You know, it's proof that you know he hasn't that hasn't gone away, and that has always been the case and he has to come to terms with that it's really interesting you you mentioned how it's a similar thing of showing a character that represents something close to harry being called into question because we didn't really i don't think we really talked about that very much because i think like I say, a lot is, of things we're talking about is because we've seen all the films now it's so true it's recontextualizing but these he, things he is literally representative of like in in the films hagrid's hut is used to represent like homeliness it's where mm. they feel most at home which is but that's probably why obviously Harry says, "There's no Hogwarts without you, Hagrid," because it's literally oh, to oh, Harry. Do not that talk is... about that. No, no, but that that's... was on. That that that, <laughs> that that could have easily. I can't believe I forgot to put that in my list. That is yeah. Absolutely... Okay, but to be fair, like it would have been like there's not much to say about that scene other than oh, it's so nice. Like oh, it destroys me with kill me with kindness. I... <laughs> um, so I yeah, the, and also the comparison for to show what like you know film noir and um. Like cinema classicism, is yeah, mystery. Really, the way the dialogue plays out between Riddle and Dumbledore, it feels so much like it's in a, a movie from the fifties or the forties. It's quite yeah, weird. you you really feel like you've got the um, the detective, and then you've got the kind of uh, the criminal. 
there. You know, yeah, um, it's quite strange. He's, Dumbledore is the detective who catches him out of, uh, on the street. Oh, you, you know, you, you're out late. Uh, yeah, up to and know, a very subtle past history. A very subtle sh- showing of that because obviously there's no like <laughs> cackling laughter. It's Dumbledore yeah, yeah, yeah. discovering from very minor bits in um, what the, what's the guy called his performance? He plays Riddle. Oh, Christian Coulson. That's it. Picking up on those is really, again, a really subtle thing to have. And it makes it... I mean this in a good way. It does stand out for the rest of the film in a, in a, in a good way because it does completely yeah. call into contrast everything else that's going on, which is perfect. Yeah, and, and yeah, to no, do gorgeous. that by literally using co- contrast... It's, it's probably the most stylistically impressive thing Chris Columbus did in the film, in his films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but Arguably. I mean that wouldn't be that wouldn't be possible without having set up such of a of style. And uh, in terms of, I, I I think it was so important doing that over two movies so that people had a base from which to work off of a solid base. If you'd have gone straight to the like a different director and a different style in the second movie, I don't think the series could have afforded the same longevity in the same way. As yeah, almost Which, certainly true. Yeah. Uh, also, um, about this scene and the the fun noir things, it's about you know just getting into like the nitty gritty of what the classism about. Yeah, like, this is a secret. You know, it's it's just mystery films, isn't it? Like, but going back to old mystery films, and if you're going to fifty years earlier, you know, um, fifty years before two thousand and two, it would have been what nineteen fifty two, which is kind of towards the end of the noir era. That's a really so, good point. So you're actually so I love the fact that they're going back in time in terms of uh, filmmaking. Do you think style. that's do you think that was intentional? I wonder. Right, so it is not described in the book as having no colour, is it? It's purely no, a filmmaking not. choice. Yeah, this yeah. is pure it's pure filmmaking style. It's just uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's a good chance it's on purpose. They didn't have to put it into black and white. Um nice. yeah, and, and I think just uh, taking those the extent to go darker in, in the films and I do think it is underrated the extent to which Chamber of Secrets. I think is like one of the darkest Harry Potter films. I think I think people miss. I think in terms miss, of the undertones, yeah, it's well, got I, yeah, such I, I, a well, vast undertone of being incredibly people, dark. Well, I think it's it's okay because people may consciously miss the fact that it goes darker in 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 you know in in you know in themes, but it's okay because if it, if if, if it went straight to Azkaban style. Sure, people would yeah. not would not have people would not have stayed with the franchise. It has to be so careful at every point to go incrementally in you know the way it develops its themes and its tone. Yeah. So yeah, like, Chamber's position is totally totally where it should be. Yeah, I've I've yeah. serious respect for the scene. And did we get to see yeah. Professor Dippet in the scene? Yeah, I think you it. see. I think you see him going up the stairs away. Or they yeah. might mention him. It is not wise to be wandering around this late hour, Tom. Yes, Professor. I suppose I, I had to see for myself if the rumours were true. I'm afraid they are, Tom. They are true. About the school as well? I don't have a home to go to. They wouldn't really close Hogwarts, would they, Professor? I understand, Tom. But I'm afraid Headmaster Dippet may have no choice. So if it all stopped, if the person responsible was caught... Is there something... You wish to tell me? No, sir. Nothing. Very well, then. Off you go. Good night, sir. My number four 
is the uh, <laughs> I'm going to call the school reunion in the Shrieking Shack in a uh, oh cool yeah, the prisoner yeah, yeah, of Azkaban. I don't I don't have that but it's a great shout cool so it, the it funny thing is considered. it's funny in a way because if uh, the Tom Riddle diary scene is sort of like an old uh, an old sort of Hollywood film this scene is like a Shakespearean play. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially the with the way they act. Yeah, the way they act, <laughs> and like they are all very. I don't actually. I I don't know much about what the act, what those specific actors did beforehand, but they all feel. I mean, like you said, most most UK actors are. are, are well, Gary are, Gary Oldman did quite a well, few definitely. things like that, but and um, yeah, yeah. There's a real. I mean, most of most of my love for the scene and anyone's is down to the the density of the performances, like hmm. it's. It's Thulis, Oldman, Rickman, Timothy Spall, and and Radcliffe all playing off each other really nicely. Like they all yeah. do a, a fucking amazing job. Like it's and it's all and it's all so well. And, and you know something I always talk about is I love scenes that are completely confined, and the entire scene is shot in a tiny room, like a really small room, and all of the sort of sort of physical um, struggles are all so sort of horribly awkward like them running like trying to catch an evil villain by running around a piano and you know like trying to it's all so like it could all take place on the stage mm, and that yeah, makes it yeah. feel so well they filmed weird. it on like a, um, a they adapted the set didn't they to keep changing the levels of the floorboards and stuff oh they did oh, a problem they know. did a christopher nolan move where they have the, the whole moves yeah 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 that's it really and, but, but that's very like properly staged then do you know what i mean like yeah 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 be, because that it does give it that element by just being on a set that is obviously quite, um, you know, what's the word? Uh, stylized, isn't it? It's probably yeah, yeah, really, really heavily stylized. Yeah. Um, it's also generally in the, in the same way that we were saying about the uh, the Dumbledore Voldemort duel. It really it's an amazing twist that that whole scene about um, Peter Pettigrew and Sirius Black, and it does it in such a concise and clear way. Especially when it's like four chapters in the book. Yeah, exactly. It's so, there's so much information, and there's a lot that's left out, but it's not information that you needed to know. It's the yeah, relationship, but be- the relationship between um, bloody I've got Lupin, Sirius, and uh, Snape, and uh, Peter Pettigrew is mm. like is the is the entire fixation of all all of the dialogue in that scene is is intent on explaining exactly what that relationship is, and the the actors totally sell it. And it's just it's just such a joy to watch. It's also a, an, a, an awesome culmination of of their cat, or sort of not maybe not culmination, but the setup of that relationship between those four characters becomes the setup in a way to their pivotal roles later in the film. Like the relationship that um, the Harry's dad and his friends had with Snape obviously comes to mean something very different in the end when you realise where it came from. Hmm. So it's, it's and, it's, but this, you, know, you see it very quickly in the fifth movie. Oh yeah, well they but no, but they 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 they, they, have, they they totally bully Snape in this film, and Harry joins in. Yeah, because Harry obviously loves is is willing to accept anyone because he lo- they they knew his dad, and so yeah. he's completely willing to disregard all because Snape is trying to help Harry because from his well, he point believe, of view, he believes as a werewolf serious... and a criminal who murdered who betrayed and murders his parents yeah and it's the a full moon and snape's been the one trying to stop lupin from yeah lupin hasn't to... taken his wolfsbane potion yeah yeah and also so, um yeah. i know it's not in the scene but talking it's just after you know where snape saves harry 
Like exactly. He, he puts his arms out in front of the main three, but this whole section of the film is so important for how yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like that, but this this whole scene shows is the it's, it's the first time you see how Snape was treated by people that Harry would never seen before. Obviously, Harry's only seen the resentment that the result that the result of that resentment. He's, he's yeah, well, now only, yeah, beginning to you see only the start really of it. See Snape on his own, or Snape being rude to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's really. It's, again, it's uncomfortable to watch uh, Sirius calling him names. Like they're in their like forties and they're calling each other names. It's pathetic, but then you got to remember that he a, a big part of his character is that he's never grown up because he's been in prison. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. No, that's that's so true. Because emotionally yeah. speaking, yeah, like like we were saying, earlier, he's, Harry he's in Harry place, emotionally matures the... before Sirius does. Yeah, that's Sirius' the problem biggest in the, problem. In the fifth movie, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's um yeah, absolutely perfect. Yeah. Just a just a majesty to watch well, I, have, I haven't yeah. got on on my list I haven't got when Lupin holds Harry when Sirius uh, yeah no I, I almost put Sirius really, death in just really for that I really thought about that yeah because yeah, it's, 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 it's such a good shot like mm. just for conveying that but I mean we shouldn't talk about it cause it's no no but it's, it's no no it's, it's, a, it's a good point though because because that is again an extension of Lupin's role which is flashed out really well in this scene yeah. where he's the, the, the realist who has to Who's who's much more firm with Harry than any of his other um, oh yeah father figures ha- yeah he's like go you leave your girlfriend go <laughs> well, <laughs> 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 part one. yeah yeah yeah, yeah stop like, being a dickhead fuck off yeah, come on <laughs> come on <laughs> I love it <laughs> yeah no and he, and he never yeah he, he never stops doing that come on come on Peter come on come on and play <laughs> Vengeance is sweet. I hope I'd be the one to catch you, Severus. I told Dumbledore you were helping an old friend into the castle, and now, here's the proof. Brilliant, Snape. Once again, you put your keen and penetrating mind to the task, and as usual, come to the wrong conclusion. Now, if you'll excuse us, Remus and I have some unfinished business to attend to. Give me a reason. I beg you. Severus, don't be a fool. He can't help it, it's habit by Severus, be quiet! Quiet yourself, Remus! Uh, listen to you two, quarrelling like an old married couple. Why don't you run along and play with your chemistry set? I could do it, you know. But why deny it? The Dementors, they're so longing to see you. Do I detect a flicker of fear? Oh, yes. Dementors kiss. One can only imagine what that must be like to endure. It's said to be nearly unbearable to witness, but I'll do my best. Severus, please. After you. Expelliarmus! Number four? Yeah, number four, please. Okay, this is the what I would call my favourite um, kind of bit of levity in all the films. Okay. Uh, this is the Your Ball montage. Ah, uh, I knew it. <laughs> it's the main thing that like really came through to me when we watched these films in order, that this sequence is when you really are just given time with them at school. Mm. To, like... And they're they're what, really important, like, yeah. Well, that's like, are you joking? There's like no plot here, not really, but it's it's all character. And <laughs> no, I like I am, that. I'm I'm serious because um, it's 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 on the surface at least it's the most it's it's the easiest um thing to point out for why these films latched on so well with us with well it doesn't matter what generation it's just, it's the certain age group yeah is that there is so much relatability in that 
in most of that film, to be fair. Some of it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Some of it is dodgily done, but in this, in that, in that particular... In that montage, whole bit, the, um, the, the class romantics and stuff and the banter, it's... Oh, it's such a ridiculous thing to be praising at fourth in my list, but it is so <laughs> important to me. You, can't, this... you shouldn't forget why, how important the, the school, the normal school life aspect is to why the films resonate so well. It's why exactly. Works why, so well. why do you think I love Seamus so much? Because <laughs> he just represents he just represents that guy you went to school with. who's kind of funny. Like, but it's the to- yeah, it's the totally necessary context for what happens yeah. in the serious parts of the story. Yeah, anyway, you, sorry, that, shut up. Exactly. Exactly. No, don't shut up. That's why you've got to. Um, understand yeah it's important contextualizing it so you you understand why that you why to love hogwarts and why you love home you wouldn't love hogwarts so much um in that battle for hogwarts unless you really love those characters and, and the way they relate and fred and george and where with harry while ron dances with um mcgonagall it's great character beats that you haven't um kind of been allowed to properly have up to that point because there's been so much setup going on everywhere that yeah it's it, it's why i mean by moment of levity that whole yule ball bit is characters being able to breathe and just do character work. Because like I say, it does not lend to the plot of that film. Not really. Mm. You know what it is? Is that Scenes like this are, to this film franchise, what the um, the Hobbit theme is to the Lord of the Rings films. Is it yes. the element that when it appears, it's the thing that... It's, just, it, it's not only that it gives you contrast and context, but it also shows that those the, the serious elements of the story don't just exist in the serious moments. They do play a part in... In the in the normal everyday stuff. So in in this um, montage, obviously Harry is, uh, it's you know he he he'd rather that the whole thing about him rather taking the dragon to the ball than having to ask a girl out. He's a yeah. really really that's that's oh, my favorite joke in the whole thing. Well, because like, it's yeah. so because the entire film is Harry being in more more mortal peril than you've ever seen him, and this <laughs> scene completely is, is like his it's his biggest challenge yet, and that's such a. That's so horrendously relatable, and yeah. and, it, also, and yeah. shot really nicely as well. Well, actually, yeah, actually, and also like, ne- like Neville dancing and like you know this guy who's basically a loser, like just imagining not. Yeah, this being is the first time he for, comes out of his shell, isn't it? It's, it's him. Yeah, it's him imagining not being a loser for one night. <laughs> it's it's, it's beautiful. No, but it's so relatable and beautiful. Isn't no, it, I know. Really? It's, that's why it's so thinking, funny. Tonight's my big night. I'm gonna yeah. do it. You know, <laughs> awesome. Like. Yeah, so I, I oh, and like I say, that's a small character beat for Neville, but it's very important in his growth as a character. You know, moving towards the last film where he gets to kill Nagini. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's yeah, just having time with these characters to breathe, and obviously, like you know, the running gag with Filch and the um, <laughs> yeah, like and the fact that he get the, has the an everlasting lust working. for his own cat. Yeah, it's, it's fucking disgusting. Like basically, <laughs> this bangs. This is the he reason that. Me. You're right. The Hobbit theme comparison in terms of this representing home and friendship, and this is why you know we, this is what they're they're fighting for and stuff, you know. But it's 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 a beautiful it thing, and it's you know one of the main reasons that people of our generation really latched onto these films, and possibly like a, you know Goblet of Fire is such a favorite amongst people our age you are so many people what their favorite harry potter film is like obviously goblet of fire and you think obviously really (laughs) it's what i call the top gun effect it's like when you ask someone why why is top gun so famous like oh it's got it's got cool planes and it's got a love story what's not to like it's like yeah yeah like the two absolute extremes of what people want it's like well yeah sure of course people are gonna love it and and it's got montages Montages? Wow! Yeah, like, top, top yeah, this is, like mainly yeah. montages. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, well, this, this scene is almost like a really weird, like it's like a training montage for the soul. 
It's yeah. like just an entire bunch of people just like, come on, come on, man, get yourself together. Come on. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't have been but also quite the, so good the music is superb. Oh yeah, it's one. It's, it's one of your it's favorite one of the pieces best. of um. Oh yeah, top score. Yeah, top 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 three Harry Potter music. Ooh. That's a tough list. Probably. No, we can't do that now. Um, no, no, definitely, <laughs> so, definitely, definitely. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do that next year. Or yeah, maybe, or next week. Like maybe we'll never stop. Yeah, <laughs> we will become one of those channels that manages to just focus on Harry Potter. I like, really hope we don't. Focuses, no, but you know, like channels that focus on like just one thing, and you're like, I can't believe you're still finding, you know, ten like ten <laughs> facts about Eleanor Rigby. Ten no. facts about the Eleanor Rigby gravestone. If we ever get compared to Watch Mojo, I'm shutting down the channel. Yeah. So I'm doing it without a hesitation. You're going to turn off your mojo, yeah? I'm going to turn off my mojo. Mojo, just here. Dragons. If you can't get a date, you can. I think I take the dragon right now. Okay. Anyway, so uh, what's your? Is it, are you fourth place? No, it's third. I'm, I'm on three now. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is the funny thing. There's two. There's two scenes so far that um, that we that either of us have mentioned that has that's meant to come up soon, but it hasn't yet. This is interesting. So my number three is the uh, first arrival at Hogwarts. Hogwarts in the Philosopher's Stone. Hoggy, hoggy, Hogwarts. Just something, please. Yes. Which I can't sing because I have a lisp. Right. So do you mean when they're on the boats? Yes. From from the I'm going to count from the train arriving to them getting to the bit where McGonagall's waiting for them, just to make it easier to understand. Yeah, that's cool. Does it it include when McGonagall talks to them? Because that's classic. I'm I'm not going to include it because I think it's probably unfair to to can I be honest with you? I think this is a really random inclusion. Okay, here's right. So you're right to think that I think because of the way we've been talking about most of these other scenes, because it is very very easy to underplay the insane like almost ecstasy of that first moment. Mo- mo- I can't fucking speak today. My, the first yeah, moment it, it, that you see the castle, see and the, castle. the visuals yeah. mixed with the music, like that shot of the boats, it's iconic for a reason. Like I yeah, know it's it's, it's cliche. It's true. It's and easy if, to ignore all these cliche things, but you you're not wrong. And in the same you way know, that yeah. we always talk about how shocking it is that um so with with like soundtracks, the fact that the original Bond books didn't have the Bond theme to them or any other yeah. book series. It's it's sh- it's weird that that this particular view of the castle didn't exist before the films. Not this interpretation. And this interpretation has is become so it's, it's it's now everywhere. The iconic view of Hogwarts is so important. I've got and a Lego to, set of it. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Like it's it's representative of something bigger than not just the design of Hogwarts being incredible, and obviously something that changes over the films, but just generally the 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 set design and um, just well, yeah, all all set and prop design over over the course of all of these films is just it's almost unparalleled. It's some yeah. of the best out there. Oh yeah, um, props to them. 
<laughs> exactly. No, but just yeah, visuals in general. This is this is indicative of that. And I would, it meant like you know, almost up to that point, there hadn't been as many, like totally icon. I mean, like Diagon Alley is is a good example that came up before it, obviously. Um, and I know there are plenty of scenes that look pretty like the prologue we talked about. But the first moment you see Hogwarts is like it's the it's the biggest. Mo- it's, it's almost like where the, the proper film starts. Yeah, everything else has been relatively small. It's been a street, that, it's, it's been letters coming for a fireplace, it's been someone falling through glass. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. All been, it's all been great stuff, but this is like, the, you're, you're getting to basically see the world for the first time, yeah. you know? And this is a foundation upon which That's no so it's much... That's no Death Star. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. This is the foundation upon which so much of the... the um, uh, sort of subsequent films lay upon they rest on that that moment that the fact that Harry associates that imagery with with home and it's what mm. he's what he's fighting for you know it's <laughs> there's you know I love I love that scene in the fifth movie I hate <laughs> no, it it's I fucking that's <laughs> shocking why does that scene yeah. exist it literally just the film could have ended before then I feel like we're really getting like coming together with a top ten worst Harry Potter scene there's just loads of stupid it's just scenes where there's honestly dialogue, dialogue kills it doesn't need Harry Potter films it kills it because it doesn't kill them don't be ridiculous no it, it kills the scenes it ruins moments yeah yeah I'm not saying yeah I'm not saying all of the Phoenix is a terrible film because yeah exactly just, that's how it, it sounds it. though. <laughs> but that scene, you could ditch it, and you could end just have the fucking scene with Dumbledore, and then it ends. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Look, yeah. all I'm saying is the arrival of Hogwarts. It's very easy to underplay how important it is, and it is iconic for a reason. And it is gorgeous, and it's also got the best. Ver- I think Williams's best version of the Harry Potter theme, which I'm not going to impersonate, but it's the loudest one. I don't know how to impersonate an orchestra. I haven't yet learned that. I think, yeah, I can't think of when the other time they do they do that version is when he's just got Neville's remember on on the broom. Oh, yay! I'm not sure. No, no, it's a different version of that. They do use it somewhere else though, but I can't remember when it is. I can imagine people going, "Yay!" It's used at some point during Chamber of Secrets. To be fair. Hello, Harry. My number three is one of the best scenes of anything. When, well, I mean, you know, we, uh, yeah, been, really, I have no idea. That's, that is that what we're doing? No, no, I, no I, I literally live and die by this scene. Okay, Mira Rivera said. Ah, you know what? Yes. Guess who totally fucking forgot about Did that? Did you? Well, this is your three brothers then. Oh, shit. Yeah, because I'm really annoyed three brothers isn't in mine. Fuck. I feel like an idiot. No, but I'm yeah, not. this is yeah. literally the best scene from Philosopher's Stone. So. 
Are we talking about the the time when Dumbledore talks to it? Because obviously he sees it. The yeah, first yeah, scene is where he sees it. Then it's I, the I, mean, I mean, I, I mean, technically, you can argue it's a montage because he first sees it and then they just show him sitting there. He never is that really true? Leaves, he never leaves that in between. He never leaves that room once he first sees it. Sure. Does he not? Well, he does. He sees it, and then he goes, "Ron, Ron, Ron! I've seen my, I've seen my dad. I've seen my to dad." To be honest, I can't. Ta- I'm just going to believe you. It doesn't matter. He takes way, Ron it? back, and then they say, "The point is the best <laughs> bit. The best bit of it. The the reason it's here isn't the bit where Ron's looking at it. I mean, no, I, to, obviously be honest, not. Well, to be honest, no, 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 not obviously not because the music there's awesome. Like the fall. No, but it's yeah, yeah, but it's the Dumbledore yeah, scene. It's the Dumbledore scene where he says, and this is the line I quote at you yeah, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. You do. It's, it's very, very irritating. But it's true. Um, he goes, it doesn't do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Like, no, that it's is, arguably the best line in the whole yeah, series. Yeah, like literally, like they bait me so... I think it could be the best line in the whole series. They, yeah. they bait me so hard in <laughs> Fantastic Beasts 2 when they show that mirror. I'm literally like, yes! <laughs> it's, just so, it's just so interesting. I, it shouldn't be, but it just really... I, but it is. I, maybe it should be. I don't know. I think I can't. I, I think as well. Okay. Um, so in and of itself, yeah, it's a really interesting thing. It's a good bit. It's a really interesting magical idea. The more we're talking about the first film, the more it's going up in my estimations again. In my head. <laughs> also, because um, it, it, it's so easy to forget how good Philosopher's Stone is. You well, exactly. Think. Yeah. Um, but um, is how it sets up uh, kind of Dumbledore's entire character as well. Like his his um, the problems of his character are kind of seated there. True. The well, it do yeah, yeah, and the, you know the the dwelling on dreams and kind of his problems. Yeah, because he doesn't you know, live out his he, own rules. No, he doesn't, and he, uh, you know, his his kind of quest for power and stuff. Because we know really what he sees in the mirror, but you know, like it's. And something from the book that not that the film needed to put this in, but obviously Harry asks him what he sees in the mirror, and he yeah, says, he "Oh says yeah, a pair of socks, socks or whatever," and it's like, "All right, great." Really, he sees the Hallows, <laughs> you know, like. Or it does. I mean, whatever he sees, we know it isn't socks. That's the point. Is and that's another another great. Just that. I mean, yeah. I know this isn't in the film, so it's not actually relevant. So I'm going to stop talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah you're, but you're right that it's um, it's the it's the sort of it's the perfect encapsulation of the the very the very wholesome the very um, uh, the very oh, I don't know what the word is. I'm going to say wholesome sort of humbling. In, in, no, no, no! I'm gonna say endearing element of Harry's character yeah, is that he is it's it's the humble beginnings, and it's such an important that yeah. as well. Another scene that is smaller but does this in a, in a in a slightly different way is the first scene in where you see the first night at Hogwarts where he's looking out the window while everyone else yeah, is in yeah. bed. It's it's that element is that all he wants is to have a normal life and not be remarkable, which is obviously something he has to learn to grow out of. And in a way, yeah. Dumbledore being there. Is kind of the start of who his, is, mani- who his, is his remarkable. Mani- well, exactly. But Dumbledore's yeah, manipulation of Harry starts together, there. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so and you're right. It does it's no mistake that, and, and... that Dumbledore is already trying to push his ideology onto Harry. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's quite unsettling. But also just so for really. the relationship, yeah. Yeah. But just generally, really emotionally potent because it's, it's the first time you see his, his parents properly. It's just yes, really, it's actually, just conventionally yeah. heartbreaking, but that doesn't make it any less heartbreaking. You know, it's no, still, it's, it's still it's an important scene for setting up um, where our you know adult protagonist and main child protagonist where they where they stand and 
Mm. But it's, it's an important thing they have to do it, so it's, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, there. because he and his view of his parents standing behind him is something mm. that he has to learn to let go of, and it's obviously saying that. And it comes, and that that image comes back really nicely in Goblet of Fire, obviously when um uh, when his parents arrive again. Yeah. So, yeah, it's no, it's a it's an excellent like start of an important arc for Harry. It's so magical. Life. Yeah, and I love the um, the set, which is completely stark apart from this kind of like mirror that's not even on a proper stand, is it? It's kind of like against the wall and it's kind of yeah, tucked it's all, away. It all feels very secretive. Yeah, yeah, and, that's the point. And yeah, and it's kind of scary. Like I would not be able to if I if it was me in real life. That is the kind of room I'd think there's something behind me, and I would never be able to go in there. Like it would scare me so much. I'm scared now talking about it. And also, I just love the line about um, when Dom was saying, like, you know, people have, like, rotted away in front of this. It's scary. It's properly, like, you're in, like, weird Narnia territory there. Yeah, and again, pushing very, very important uh, sort of mature element to the message of these films of, you know, being realis- realistic and not expecting the best of all outcomes to happen and that you have to make your life, you know, me- meaningful from what you have. Mm. Which yeah. is not, I mean, that's not a despite thing that gets the, put up all the time. Despite the deaths of others. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's m- mostly a message that Harry has to take more than everyone else. But obviously mm. that this scene is completely Harry-centric, so it makes perfect yeah. sense. And it's, yeah, it's, it's the, I think when we, when we talked about the film, uh, we said it was like one of the first real moments you have just to sit with Harry and his mm. thoughts. You know, because mm. before that, it's just, he, he's going down the, the roller coaster into that world. For the whole movie, <laughs> yeah. basically. It's just Harry gawping at things for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe gawping. And then, oh, Daniel Radcliffe acting. Again, Daniel Radcliffe thinking. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there you go. Excellent. Uh, I, I, there I hear a said it. I see that you, like so many before you, have discovered the delights of the mirror of Erised. I trust by now you realise what it does. Let me give you a clue. The happiest man on earth would look into the mirror and see only himself, exactly as he is. So then it shows us what we want, whatever we want. Yes, and no. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest and most desperate desires of our hearts. Now you, Harry, who have never known your family, you see them standing beside you. But remember this, Harry. This mirror gives us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away in front of it, even gone mad. That is why tomorrow it will be moved to a new home. And I must ask you not to go looking for it again. It does not do to dwell on dreams, Harry, and forget to live. So, um, my number two is your was what you put at. I don't know what number. Possibly. Uh, is, um, is it the graveyard? It is the graveyard. That was my number nine. It was your number nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, it brings so, a smackdown, doesn't it? 
It, it really does. This, this yeah. I, was, I was surprised by how much this shot up in my list because it was. It's quite. It's amazing how much of that film. Well, how much? Sorry, yeah. How much this scene is? This sorry. Yeah, I can't speak. This film is defined by this scene almost entirely. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all a build up to to this one moment because it's the mm. turning of the tide, and this is. You'll probably agree. Well, we might as well just go through it it's just bit by bit because it's quite a long scene if we're counting it as a scene. So obviously, the transformation, the killing of Cedric, is the first prop. It's the first murder, isn't it? In- and yes, is it? Yes, I think it is. And he's he's like the fact he's so still, and they really focus the, car- the camera on that. I think you know, in many ways, this scene is probably the reason this film got a twelve rating rather Almost than certainly. PG. Well, Wormtail cuts his hand off, and obviously Harry gets himself shanked a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, oh, it's uh, true. Yeah, uh, and then you get all these terrorists in Ku Klux Klan outfits. Uh, yeah, they, they they hold back nothing with the subtlety, and that, this is also why. Um, I wish they'd kept the well. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. Well. It all, but it, that this but all, the entire over the top ridiculous setup of that scene and the film as a whole is why McNair. Ralph Fiennes is able to. <laughs> Um, thrive much better than he does in some of the other. Ah, so is, were you going to ask me if I agree that this is the best scene for Ray Fine's performances in the entire series? I assumed I, you would agree. Oh, I hundred percent think that. Yeah, I, and I, I think he's great in the other in other bits. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's this always, is his. He's proper, always great. This. Yeah. This is. I don't get why Voldemort's never as good as he is here. It's I a shame. It's, it's the tone of the film. I think. I think. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not saying. Do you think? Oh, I, I know what you're going to say. This film is so melodramatic and far that totally. it suits. It suits Ray Fine's performance the best. Totally. It's, it's totally so melodramatic and far. And sometimes in other films, it's awkward. Sometimes Ray Fine's. It, you, you you take it, but you know when he goes ah and stuff like that, it's like oh, yeah, it's just really little awkward. things make people jump off. So if he was like he was in four. Then it would just. I. I, I he I'm feels just... more in control. He talks more. He's not very. Um, he's he's got so much energy in four. Whereas after that, Voldemort's sitting about a lot, you know, or well, you like know, kind of hovering fine. about. I actually think no, that, no, I it, think it's great, fine, you know, but it's, no, it's clever. No, it's, no, that that characterization is right because that's why he's almost at his scariest point in this one because he's he is completely ecstatic with himself. He's so happy. He's won. Like he's they, excited. They lose this film. This he's is con- the Empire Strikes Back. Well, he's conquered you know? death, and that's obviously and that's Harry his, was the only person who'd done that before. And so now yeah. he's he's now matched Harry and come back. But it's also mm. the, the great thing about his performance is that it's used in that scene perfectly to supersede all of the other villains that have come along before. Obviously, because people like Wormtail is now put into context. People like, um, obviously, Lucius is put into heavy context. McNair, obviously, everyone loves McNair. Yeah, um, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a villain. <laughs> he in, is in a the villain. Movie. He's in um, the Lego set. Stuff. <laughs> also, um, yeah, I guess um, the only villain that doesn't really contextualise is Professor Quirrell, I guess. Yeah, to some, yeah, true, but who cares? He will, he, but he, you know, in a way, his his resemblance was in that film, but obviously he was limited. And now you see what he can do when he actually has his own form. So in a way, prophesied. So it is actually, is actually, yeah, in 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 a different way, yeah, yeah. But it's the um, and I love the baby Voldemort look. Yeah, when they drop him in, it's disgusting. disgusting. (laughs) It's so disgusting. 
Yeah, just that's the idea. Thing, I, the most human. disgusting thing is the idea that all these Death Eaters are so scared of that little baby. <laughs> it's so well, weird. Probably because they, they the know Wormtail that... is so terrified of this baby. It's it's so weird. Yeah, no, and look, we we've we've touched upon this quite a few times during our discussions, and I, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where where it came from initially, but but Voldemort's main sort of uh, okay, he's not a great character as such. He is a great plot influencer. In he's a great. Look, he he is okay. I'm going to revise this a bit. I want it to be known. I do think he's one of the best villains of all time in anything. Oh, yeah, but, no, I do too, but I don't think he's a character in the same way. Like he's not complicated in a way. He's a, he he is Emperor Palpatine. Well, exactly, and that's, like Palpatine is not interesting. But he is. Yeah, <laughs> no, really. no, it's it's perfect. But he has to. But what he has to do in terms of the story is embody all that which is bad in all other people that he encounters. Yeah, he has exactly. to be the worst version of he, everybody and, and everyone, and, and they totally yeah. sell that. Like with oh, him, yeah. Just brushing fucking Cedric's face with his foot—it's just like little, oh, lots of, all the little things like that. And, yeah, that's, and the, the scene, the scene moves so fast that something that's great is that the audience does exactly what Voldemort does, which is completely forget that Harry and Cedric. The Harry's there. there. Yeah, I love that. Oh, he's like, oh yeah, you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so fuck. true. And um, yeah, and you've got a great moment for Lucius. You know, if there were signs, if there were whispers or whatever, it's just well, there were. You know. Yeah, exactly. And also, and, and, then, and also, yeah. you've got the subtext that Voldemort is still angry at Lucius about messing up in Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> yeah, Be- because he's he basically, yeah, yeah, you were outdone by a rat. You know, it's true. So, uh, and actually, that would be, yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, to be fair. That that in a way sort of um, does a little bit of prophesizing the way Lucius ends, because obviously. Yeah. Um, Wormtail wins, like he says, not by, by being fearful, not loyal. And Lucius learns that being loyal isn't actually what matters. He just has to yeah. be reverent fearful. and fearful, which he does yeah. end up being in the end. And he realizes yeah. what a scourge that is in his personality. So he has to end it. So he has yeah. to stop. So it's it, yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. Also, um, I love it when he gives Wormtail the hand. I really, really love that. Like mm. how he's kind. It's kind of like false kindness. It's the kindness of the bully. The sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's being falsely nice to someone, even look, though they're, they're look, about to hit you. You know, I, I, I thanks, thanks for all that lunch money you gave me. Yeah. Here's here's um here's a comment to wipe my ass. <laughs> oh, okay. Jesus, <laughs> that seems you know, you way too specific. It. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my god um, okay let's move on and so the, the other bit of the scene that's obviously fantastic is the um, priori incantatum for a, new, yeah, for a yeah. number of reasons one and the whole like, I can touch you now and all that stuff's great yeah a little bit kind of odd but okay. no it's classic that, though no, it's, it's good odd that's good that, odd that particular element of Fiennes' performance would not survive in the other films genuinely it can't it doesn't it wouldn't well, I work. think they try and keep it up a little bit when he goes, um, you know, like, uh, come to die, and all that random, like... Yeah, but it's Harry. much more subdued. It's much more sort of sinister and quiet than it is cackling and maniacal. Which, you, I mean, oh, yeah. you can argue... You know what it is? It's um, Here's a random it's comparison. Well, I was going to say, it's, um, it's kind of like the way that Scarecrow in the Arkham games changes. Oh, yeah, and, but to be honest, I, I like Scarecrow loads more in 
Yeah, no, I, I know, but this is but this is the point. Oh yeah, this is the same. Yeah. This is the point. <laughs> yeah, I, and and I I will continually say that Scarecrow in Arkham Knight is fantastic. However, I agree that the interpretation is better in Asylum. But the yeah, point is that they aren't complete. Original. They're not completely separated. They are reconcilable together. Given yeah, context. yeah. Well, and like you said, um, I hadn't realised that the idea is that his voice box has been ripped out by Croc. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I thought you were talking about Voldemort. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, (laughs) (laughs) His voice box uh, had been donated by um, (laughs) by Travis. He's Adam's Uh, Adam. I'm going to kill you, Harry. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Uh, They they, they nailed a snake-like thing, though, as well. And obviously what they did with CGI for his face was really cool. Yeah, although there's... yeah. There's a weird bit in the transition. We said this in the episode, to be fair. In the transition from going from weird baby... Baby Yoda, Baby um, Voldemort <laughs> too. That's a less. That's not a good spin-off. You don't know watch Baby Voldemort. It's rubbish. Um, <laughs> it's really disgusting. Um, he like looks sort of quite skeletal, which I kind of wish they'd stuck with. But it's, you know, they did like you say the makeup and CG for his nose is, is yeah done extremely well. And the the cloak, it sort of looks not almost like it's not there. Like he looks like smoke. His cloak in this. Yeah, this it's thing. like hard to catch him with your bare hands. Oh, fuck also. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Also, I think that um, something <laughs> I like the look of him more in this film because I, I mean I know the idea. He's got a V-neck probably... going on, you know. It's good. Sorry, oh, that's go probably is a bit unsettling. But you know, also when he goes on in the films to kind of look more and more human, actually, I think because he looks more and less. I think it's the CG His clothing gets... is more. Human. But as the CG gets better in real life, he looks less scary. I think. I don't think it's the CG. I think it's the um, I think it's the scenes. It's he's not. He's usually in fairly well lit rooms most of the time. Oh, okay. And I reckon that in particular, like this, this is very very dark. Yeah. In numerous points. Anyway, let's talk about the set quickly. Just quickly. It's a graveyard. It's awesome. Like the um, riddles. Yeah, but it's not just oh, riddles. Yeah, okay, yeah, riddles grave is, it, is the, the oh. grave is sick, and also the, I would not um, want to be buried under that. Like I would, if I went to the funeral directors and like, have you chosen your tombstone yet? And they go, yes, we've got this massive set. demon is fuck with a massive sickle. I'm like, well, you know, does that represent what me? I love about the set? Is I think it's very German expressionist, and I'm not joking. So it's very like the kind of thing you'd get in stuff like the Doctor of Caligari, or whatever it's called, Doctor Caligari's Cabinet, or whatever the uh, the original like horror movie from 1920, which is an eight out of ten, possibly higher. It's one of the great great movies. And anyway, so it's kind of like it's just like on that hill, and it's kind of got that weird um, kind of Batman Returns Tim Burton vibe to it, with the big house hanging over them behind them, and like all of the different gravestones at kind of weird angles, and it just looks like. All the bodies have just been thrust into this mound. I think it's really awesome, and it yeah. works because obviously Voldemort's look like being this completely white guy in a cloak and stuff. Like it's just it's very grim reaper, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very grim reaper. Feels very Tim Burton esque, but also very like the kind of um, extra white faces you would see in those early horror movies from the 20s. Yeah, because it's sort of representative of the sort of skeletal look. I almost said skeletal, yeah. um, not skeletal. That's <laughs> a completely different thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the power of grace. The jewel, the uh, the jewel is amazing. The first proper jewel. The CG is fantastic. The oh, that's sick. When he's like, "Get up, get up!" That's and so cool. Cedric tells him to um, take him back to his dad. It's all. It ends. It has a real emotional hit to it. It's a fantastic mm. finale. Like, oh yeah, just really it's, inc- it's incredible. Amazing. 
in a way, it, 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 in some ways, it's the best finale. It's the most finale finale, kind of. It finishes off the original quadrilogy, the pre-war. Yeah, exactly. Moves it into the war quadrilogy. In a, in a perfect way. That a boy, Harry. Your parents would be proud. Especially your filthy muggle mother. I'm going to kill you, Harry Potter. I'm going to destroy you. After tonight, no one will ever again question my power. After tonight, if they speak of you, they'll speak only of how you begged for death. And I, being a merciful lord, obliged. Right, what's your number two? Is your number two the thing that I put at number nine? No. Oh, okay. My number two... (laughs) Is when Harry and, Hermione, oh, Harry and Hermione dance. Oh, I oh in, wow! I really thought you'd put that in number one. Okay, this is well. I mean, my number one and number two is like really hard to reconcile. They completely no, no. Different. I just I think it's because in the in in the uh, in our review, I'm pretty sure you, you you'd said at the time you thought that was the uh, the best. So it's interesting you you've slightly changed your mind since then. Slightly, obviously. I mean, so uh, look, I mean these things all, change around a lot. All, but yeah, these things change around a lot. By all means, these top two are basically a shared one. And when I say my number one, for anyone who hasn't figured it out yet, it's um, it's <laughs> do the math. So Come on, idiot. it's basically it's basically entirely might as well be from a different franchise. So I'm very much kind of picking <laughs> based on what type of the franchise I like today. You know, like I mean, that is the point. Do you know of what I'm discussion. saying? That is the point of this. So yeah. yeah. Course. So Go this scene is 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 the ultimate um, show and don't tell of the, of the Harry Potter series. Um, it's, it's a moment that's not even in the book. Um, they just thought, right, let's give these these characters time. And I think, I mean, I'm literally just going to repeat what I said in the last review, please, uh, yeah. part one. But it is just so stunning the work they did with like Daniel and Emma up to this point, and Harry and Hermione's characters. And I think just having this moment to put this choice in front of both of them, properly in front of both of them, you know, they, they cheer each other up and they show each other love, but then think about how are we defining the love between Harry and Hermione and the way, you know, it really yeah. looks like he could kiss her. He could betray his best friend and this, there could be no turning back. There's so much that could go wrong here. Um, Drawing upon yeah. the themes they, they talk about a lot in the other films about how it's your choices that define... It's not who I am underneath. Sorry. Um, it's the choices that define me. No, it's it's what I do. That's it. You have to say you have to say do like you've got a like you're trying to say doody. Anyway, like um, like you're actually from Wales. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's what I do. I think... defines me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see. I can't, I can't do Cho Chang, but I can do Rob Ryden. Anyway, go ahead. that's so good. Yeah, you smashed it. <laughs> what a trip. Um, so oh, wow. I think that. Uh, yeah, it's just the best thing ever. I, I like because the thing is, right? Like in the second I, place, the best thing ever. I think. I think I. Yeah, lol. <laughs> I think I. I think I know you like friendships like this, and I just really, I really relate on a personal note to that scene. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it. It's been no, wonderful it, to me. It, I don't know. Is this the it, only scene that we've discussed that isn't in some way in the book? Yeah, I think it might be. I think it is. I think all the others. I, I, I think it. I think it's just a huge. It's just such a huge. Um, yeah, it is for me. It's such a huge. Or maybe when Hermione cries in Half Blood Prince. I don't know if that's in the book. 
how to say. I can't remember. Can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> point Who cares? Is, We're point, not talking about them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The point is, it's just the best use of cinema on a personal level. My best use of cinema on a spectacle level will be my number one. So, right. Okay. Um, Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have. I, I, I'm out of steam on stuff to say about this because I've literally had to talk about. No, this yeah, in, I mean these reviews what, like three times. What we said not that long ago is as true, you know, then as it was now. So, I, I totally agree with you. It's amazing. Yeah, why, why don't you just listen to Definitely Part One review and I'll, I'll cheat. I've still said everything I think about it. Look, it just makes me cry. Okay, go away. Yeah, we talked for ages about that. All right, Jesus. Sorry. Cool. Am I permitted to move on to my number one? Yeah. <gasps> cool. My number one is Lupin and Harry discussing stuff on the bridge. Uh, in- oh, a round of applause for this absolute hero because he knows that Lupin is one of the best things that ever happened to anyone. You Lupin know is, is like outside of the main lot is definitely one of the best. Yeah, definitely one of the best characters insanely good and such a weird yeah, yeah. character for being well let's his, just talk, place, let's talk. his place as a character is not clear in the same way that everyone else is well, yeah which sort of isn't but in only in this i'll talk about this i'll talk about the scene in specific because this is this is basically part of it is that is that lupin is harry's first real proper mentor like obviously hagrid is like you know the lovable sort of figure and Dumbledore has shown himself to be and obviously eventually turns into something more than that but Lupin is the first person and arguably the only person who he relates to who actually listens to him and actually understands him and isn't in some way like using him or you know misunderstanding him or or, use, or even using him to feel some sense of power exactly. to be fair I, I know that Hagrid loves him but I'm sure there's a bit of something there that Hagrid actually you know he used to be a misfit, and now he's got some more misfits. You know exactly. And obviously, Dumbledore's trying to use Harry for his own means for the most part. And Snape is only liking him because of his uh, love for his mother, which is obviously completely fucked up. Whereas Lupin is completely honest, honest with Harry in in both the positive sense and the negative sense, as we said. Like he puts mm. Harry straight at numerous points in places where other characters don't go near it, which is really interesting. And this scene for me is just it's the it's the perfect pinnacle of why Lupin as a character is so perfect because well I mean partly his 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 role in that film at the start is uh is actually it's actually what the uh what the music is called in that scene it's a window to the past is that he gives Harry that that sort of that first proper piece of context 
for what his what his parents were like and what that means for him because his journey on that film is about him learning to outgrow that and become his yeah. own person but and obviously taking place on a bridge is symbolic of that sort of transferal but anyway and it's yeah so it's, it's framed beautifully it's, it's shot beautifully all of that stuff um i think i'm pretty sure it's the first instance where they mention harry's eyes being like um lily's Oh, it might well be. Um, because again, that, and that's like a that's such an imp- that becomes such an important motif for yeah, yeah. for Harry as a Obviously. character, and later on, how how what Lily's role is later on in the films. Does um, Wormtail ever say it to him? No, he says you look so much like, like your father. And he's like, oh, James, oh, okay. we're the best of friends. It's fucking horrible. Um, but yeah, it means that that yeah, his place, like Harry's place in this whole story, is is grounded in. A, Real context. It's the it's, this scene is almost in a way the the main reason why you don't need a prequel series to, you know, the the first war because it isn't it's not necessary. Harry understands emotionally speaking where he stands because of because of Lupin, hmm. um, and it just it's so brilliant how that's how it's how that sows the seeds of, um, like yeah, so Lupin is the first person to properly encourage Harry to be himself it sounds so weird saying this but it doesn't happen very much in the first two films he's kind of left alone and he's Lupin the is only the f- guy who's who's not trying to make harry into we're just praising movie. lupin in this aren't we <laughs> well that, i mean i can't go far enough to say how i think like he's <laughs> one of the best characters in anything he's so yeah. unusual he he's a proper um like uh kind of aragon character yeah but, kind of but without you know the the hope of ever being king, not to be mistaken he's, with an Aragog character, which is a yeah, wholly yeah. different thing. I don't know. He's just yeah. I, I feel like Viggo Mortensen I, is the only other guy who could have done this. <laughs> it's true, but well, I mean, to be fair, we, Viggo could also have done serious. But anyway, um, the really important yeah, yeah. thing that I really important thing that I'd never thought about really is that because Sirius is obviously so Pettigrew is evil, Sirius is in jail, and James is dead. Lupin becomes the person who sort of who show who has to tell Harry what his parents fought for and how important it is and he holds him accountable to that and that I, th- I think this reason is sows the seeds of the reason why Lupin narratively has to die because if you think about it and this is something that's, that's given that's, that's properly sort of dwelt on in the uh, resurrection stone because Harry mm. is then going to have to do for Lupin's son what Lupin did for James's son, essentially. Yeah, they'll understand. Yeah, someone will teach him oh, what yeah, his parents exactly. fought for. That yeah, is what yeah, Lupin is doing for Harry in this scene. Yeah, yeah. He is explaining to Harry what his he parents fought for. He represents the importance of understanding history and not letting events occur again. Exactly. AKA understand, understanding the dangers that were posed by regimes such as the Nazi threat. And that is one of the World biggest... And, and yeah. that your grand... So our grandparents, I don't know if... How yeah. you knew your grandparents? My, yeah, yeah, yeah. my grandparents have, have often talked to me about you know uh, growing up in in the war, and also my great grand like parents like fought in the war, and I like, mm. haven't been able to hear their stories. The war to us is something you know we'll never understand it, but it's something that is still very real to us. Whereas like, I do worry about younger generations and not having had that first hand contact with people who fought. Well, in even that people war. in our generation, there's plenty that are not connected enough to that. And that is one of the biggest themes of this franchise as a whole. One of the biggest ones that we've uncovered, I think, in what we've been talking about. The mm. ones that at least at least we hadn't noticed before. And this yeah. scene is properly an, like an apex to that theme. Um, and yeah, I think... What, this, is, I th- what exactly does he say to Harry in, on the bridge? So he teaches him, he teaches him partly about the, um, 
the nature of fearing fear itself with the with the dementors and how you know he lives in the shadow of his parents and how and he it sort of explains to Harry what his parents were like and how that relate how that connects to Harry and how that means that Harry has to become his own person because Harry's main problem is that he's isolated in that film he feels like he doesn't you know he's not his own person through it and that's what Lupin I think is guiding him through but yeah again that that role that he plays is essentially holding Harry accountable to the morality in the argument which is that's that's why I'm saying that's what he's asking Harry to do for his son, essentially. Or he's saying that someone else will have to do it. The mad thing is about having this chat is I now want to rewatch all the Harry Potter films. Again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm ver- I mean that very seriously. I really because cool, it, so feels like so, we'll it feels like so long again. since we watched. Well, I think it's the perfect length as a series. By the time that we it's got six to month intervals. Eight, well, it's just like I miss my Lupin time now. It's just like I just want to go back to number three. You know, like the whole point we did this was like so ages. that we could stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll never stop. Um, you know, this the is our heroine. officially going on forever. The football, anyway. anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well We're doing too many uh, national web references. You know, the very first time I saw you, Harry, I recognised you immediately. Not by your scar, by your eyes. They're your mother, Lily's. Yes. Oh, yes. I knew her. Your mother was there for me at a time when no one else was. Not only was she a singularly gifted witch, she was also an uncommonly kind woman. She had a way of seeing the beauty in others, even and perhaps most especially when that person could not see it in themselves. And your father, James, on the other hand, he, uh, <laughs> he had a certain, shall we say, talent for trouble. Talent, rumor has it, he passed on to you. You're more like them than you know, Harry. In time, you'll come to see just how much. So, number one is um, me, if you haven't figured it out, is the Chamber of Secrets showdown. Yeah, which was my Uh, number nine. Yeah, so... This is your number one, you go for it. No, 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 why did you have that number nine then? Why why is it in there for you? I mean, for me, okay, I guess I should say something. Right, okay, I think this is um, probably, in terms of, maybe with, okay, maybe with the exception of number eight in the films arguably five but the point is i think this is the most epic depiction of harry as a hero in all of the films you know with the sword it's just it it's so beautifully traditional in its depiction of um a hero's journey that this scene this whole half hour because it's long this is bit feels feels genuinely like it could be in star wars it's so Star Warsy, and I know that's a weird thing to praise your favourite Harry Potter scene for. I understand this is weird generally. It's just so classy. I cannot get away from just how how on earth is this in you know a Chris Columbus kids movie that a lot of people watch at Christmas. Unbelievable. It's also got some of the best um, like uh, creature effects. So for like the basilisk, it's, oh my gosh. Okay, so okay. so the basilisk looks amazing. Um, the plot, 
I don't mean the plot. The set is my favourite Harry Potter set. Oh, it's an amazing uh, set. Yeah, it's when really that incredible. when that mouth opens and out comes the snake, which by the way is also the dark mark. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the integration awesome. of imagery into the the uh, the props and the animatronics yeah, yeah. and everything and CG is is, is it's, it's sick. Integrated for and 2002, especially done amazingly well. It's just it's just so awesome. Um, and I think that the bit where he has to throw the rock uh, when the <laughs> bastard comes down, just so sick. Yeah, no, it's a good depiction. It's a good show of um, of ingenuity as well as bravery, yeah. which is something also. Yeah, a development from the first film. Yeah, and I love the way that the the film it's shot. Um, so a lot of um, you know, Columbus is often talked about having quite a lot of still shots and that, or like just kind of crane shots. But there's a lot of um, strange angles used as well, like kind of um, wonky. There's a lot of Dutch tilts angles. happening. Dutch tilts, that's the word. Yeah, 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 loads. Um, like he strays a lot from that. Um, also, like if we want to get into kind of like Freudian territory and what this sequence means and how that's shown, oh Christ! Like the representation of the sword and um, you know being him taking up that kind of phallic symbol to to beat the snake, which is owned by beat the snake. Do you say? Yeah, to beat the snake. <coughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, which is which is owned? You know, which is you know the, the snake is controlled by in a way someone who's technically Harry's father figure. Because he is the guy without Voldemort. Harry's um, Voldemort is completely the foundation of Harry's. Um, what's the word like? Not personality, but well, part of his soul. Because they're both characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of part of his character and is, is who he is. His identity. That's it. And that's what this film is about. It's him struggling with his identity. So for in this last scene, him to come up against a uh, you know a, a massive representation. Being able to talk to snakes, he talked to a little snake earlier. This is the big. This is the big deal. So, seeing him confront that head on, uh, it's it's just great writing, isn't it? Yeah. I just can't. I can't get my mind around it. Also, um, doing it for the, um, you know, so Mrs. Weasley, right, representing a mother, like the first kind of mother figure in Harry's life. Yeah. Um, and trying to save her only daughter, um, it's. You know, there's there's Freudian elements there as well in terms of what Ginny means to Harry is like you know a possible home and obviously I genuinely think well, not aside just Freudian. F- oh sorry go ahead sorry aside from one scene in um, maybe like half a prince okay no I tell you what rewatching this through I actually think they handle Ginny quite well but more as an image not as a character uh, like she, what she's she used way for- more like a mythological. Um, character yes. as the person that the hero oh, has to... You've, and you have nailed the word mythological while I love this scene. It feels what? straight out of Greek myths, yeah. straight out of mythology generally, and how everything about this scene, like like talking about um, what everything represents, is about symbolism. And this is why it's great filmmaking, because this is so... It's all done with... Um, like yeah, symbolic show and don't tell in an incredibly shot, severely epic way. And I think that's why, because it's done well, it earns its Star Wars comparison. Because Star Wars is doing exactly the same thing as this scene. Well, okay, it's done well. Yeah, if I can add the the Star Wars, yeah, the Star Wars thing. I think it's partly the music, but also yeah, you're right. It's using um, very yeah, I mean mythological and old imagery, which is something the original Star Wars films do quite a lot, despite being sort of sci-fi. But I think you, the thing about um, symbolism and Ginny is interesting because also this this story, you know, you say, it's obviously Freudian, of course, but um, 
it's also it's it's, it's a lot like the uh, the King George King George the Saint George story um, mm. of defeating the dragon to, to because uh, like the dragons in uh, mythology like they 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 obviously acquire not just jewels but they collect virgins isn't that a part of mythology which is obviously mm. something that Ginny's being held there for obviously this is a kids film so it's slightly yeah, yeah, but it, slightly I mean, mild but it's, but the, it's the literally the, the fact that it's in a chamber you know um, a chamber which is like. Uh, announces opening with blood and how Ginny and, and blood is like tied in so deeply to this film. That's that's the Freudian the Freudian thing, isn't it? Mm. About about women and menstruation. Yeah. Also, yeah. she's at an age where menstruation could start. Sure. Also, another thing that you, you you yeah, I mean, you slightly touched upon this earlier, but most of this film starts the theme of Harry trying to fight his yeah his own identity and the fact that he's trying to fight off the idea of him being part of Slytherin. That is that is his main sort of psychological trauma throughout the film that he has to beat, and so if the, the final battle is him literally fighting a symbol of Slytherin mm. with a symbol of Gryffindor, is the like the way to show that not only has he physically uh, you know overcome that, he has also mentally come to terms with what he, yeah, well, yeah. who he is and where he stands. And he has to summon he has to summon the sword by knowing where he stands and what his morality is. Yeah, exactly. So and with, um, oh, that's yeah. no, it's perfect. Exactly. Like, so I guess, like, the reason this is number one for me is for every bombastic reason possible. <laughs> In a way, like, it's literally the opposite of... It's what I mean by on any given day I could swap this with my number two mm. because that's all subtlety. And there is a lot of subtlety in this, but it's all done through absolute bombast. It's amazing. <laughs> I think... Uh, I don't it's, fully... it's, it's proper... This is proper cinema. Mm. Like, cinema, rather than home <laughs> TV stuff. This is cinema stuff, you know? Yeah, I, um... I don't. I don't fully agree that this is the most. Um, I don't know the word. It's dramatic, but it is the. It is the the first real introduction of action into the series, mm, and it and does that excellent. in a big way. Yeah, the action is really good. Yeah, exactly. and it's, it's, and it's, it's it's strange. It's strange, but it's it's no, quality, but it's, it's, it's paced it's, it's very nicely. It's a great monster fight. It's a great because, monster fight. Yeah, but, but well, because it puts Harry, it tests him for everything for his you know resolve and also his like you say his ingenuity. But and it's, yeah. and it's an amazing balance of tension where he has to move throughout the chamber to you know yeah. evade it and fight it. And it's very much like a Star Wars fight in that it's split up into different sections. You know, a lot mm. of the great lightsaber battles kind of have three sections. Pretty much all of them, yeah. Yeah, they they have the the the, the big showdown at the end. Uh, they normally have a fourth section in the middle, <laughs> and then and then and then they have um you know the, the lightsaber bits. Somewhat. At the start. It's more that it's it's, it's separated. It's more separated, and each separate bit, each separate bit tends to explore. It tends to have something in it, some MacGuffin that can explore an element of the characters, mm. and it, it, the ultimate cinema show don't tell stuff, you know. So I think um, that's as well why it ends its comparison. But this scene, um, the music is awesome. Forks the Phoenix stuff is, is done so well. Um, you know these shadows and stuff on the wall to show it. Uh, mm. Blinding the the the, che- the thing that's quite cool, but also we haven't talked about um, Tom Riddle. Uh, he's I mean, awesome. He, yeah, Christian he, Coulson is awesome in this. He's yeah. awesome. He's he might not so be much the a best part of this scene, to be fair. But no, not really. But you know, it's it's, it's great when he summons it. And, yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just sick. Um, also, this whole this is kind of like a weird reason to say why why this scene is good because normally if people talk like this I'd be like um, yeah is this really the best you've got but I'm gonna say anyway because it's just a cherry on top which is that this whole um, scene is uh, so important 
for the entire franchise, and I really don't think you can underplay like th this killing of the first Horcrux um, and what I represents, but also the whole ideas behind the Sword of Gryffindor, behind Slytherin. Um, there's mm. so much work done here for the rest of the series. A lot more than is probably done in, at the end of Philosopher's Stone. A lot more. Yeah, well, like, Philosopher's Stone is, is setting. This... It's, 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 it would do well not to dwell on things to be returned to later because it would make it feel clunky and heavy and also if it never got off the ground as well as it did it would have not reflected well on it so it's perfect yeah. to introduce those things in the it's a perfect this is a perfect sequel it's a proper empire and i think back. and i think that i i mean naturally by my by my list i think it's the best i think it's yes yeah, it's definitely the pinnacle of this film it's like it's the yeah the perfect part of it it's absolutely fantastic Let's match the power of Lord Voldemort, heir of Salazar Slytherin, against the famous Harry Potter. Sai Hephaestus! Parcel Tongue won't save you now, Potter. It only obeys me. Still hear you. So have you got anything else to add on it? No, I don't think I do. We've finally done the fucking scenes list and it only took two hours. <laughs> wow, should we do um should we do the actors quickly and then Yeah, let's rattle off performances, top uh, ten. And, and, and then do you want to do a different a different um thing for the films? No, um, I reckon we can I reckon we can do the films pretty quickly. Nope. Definitely not. That's going to have to wait till next week. But then, rest assured, we will rank our picks for the best performances and finally rank all of the films. And then we're done. For now.